Alright, welcome back to the 20th episode of The Cycle 365. Today is February 9th, 2020. We're here to give you uh, your daily dose of sports, or your weekly dose in this case. So, to start off, we are going to talk about the NBA trade deadline. We haven't talked about the NBA, we don't talk about the NBA a lot, I feel, but, you know, with football over, well, mostly over, the XFL is still going on, but we'll talk about talk about that later but with football over uh you know honestly it's really just basketball hockey and then a little bit of baseball when it comes by so we do have the nba trade deadline there are a couple trades that were made let's start with uh cody, cody yeah cody. cody what trade stood out to you the most well being a nuggets fan it's really hard to not scratch my head at us trading away malik beasley who's a pretty good three-point shooter not exactly sure what his stats are for the year, but in his debut for the Timberwolves, he scored over 20 points mm -hmm. and hit a handful of threes. Uh, part of that trade, we also got rid of Juancho Hernan Gomez, which wasn't a huge loss because he misses open threes, but you know, he's, he's a depth player. And we got Gerald Green out of it just to wave him. So we got rid of some decent shooting talent for basically no reason like a draft pick that may not be like super well so then we traded for a couple of other role players but Malik Beasley was definitely like the hardest player to watch leave as a Nuggets fan oh yeah and that was a part of that three-team trade correct right three-team trade yeah. with yeah. Uh, Minnesota and Houston yes and that's where we saw or sorry was it four-team trade because Clint Capella went to the Hawks so four it was four yes yeah, so it was a four-team trade and so the big, I mean, that was kind of just a side thing, you know, just to facilitate some of the smaller parts of this trade. But yeah, we did see Clint Capella, pretty much the Rockets only center at that point, And, you know, real big man get traded to the, not, yeah, sorry, to the Atlanta Hawks. So what do, what do you think about that one first, about Capella going to the Hawks? What's that impact gonna look like? Initially, I was a little worried for the Rockets, especially if they have P.J. Tucker matching up against guys like Anthony Davis in the playoffs. And if they go further than that, like Jokic and they go to the finals like Antetokounmpo. But after seeing how well they did against the Lakers in Los Angeles using their small ball lineup, I feel like Covington is a really underrated like asset that they got who can shoot the three ball and play some pretty decent defense. Yep. And it'll... It promotes Russell Westbrook playing inside, which is where he excels. And we saw him go off for 41 points. That's true. It's uh, it's an interesting way, uh, approach, I'd say for sure. Because they did beat the Lakers, right? But then a couple days later, they lost. They got beat badly. And I, you know, Westbrook wasn't playing, sure. But still, they got beat badly by the Suns. And uh, it definitely exposed some of the places uh, where they're weak. Because DeAndre Aiden had a field day on those guys down there in uh, in Houston. So, I don't know. That's some concern for sure. But, yeah, Robert Covington did get traded from the Timberwolves to the Rockets. That was a big one. So, yeah. Do you think uh, this makes the Rockets better or worse? That's a big reason. I mean, that's why they made the trade, right? They're trying to get better. But what do you think? I mean, I feel like you can make them better because... Russell Westbrook can play inside without worrying about it being clogged up as much. 
Yeah. With Clint Capella not being directly under the basket basically the entire game because he can't do anything else. Yeah. So, and I feel like that's putting an emphasis on this not being so much a Harden team as it is a Harden and Westbrook team. Because mm -hmm. we've seen Harden struggle for a couple months now, honestly. Or even if he scores 40 points, it's on like 20% shooting. And Westbrook has been averaging over 30 points per game. And this will only elevate his game, I feel like. Right. So okay. I feel like this could strengthen the Rockets team. But honestly, it's a very D'Antoni move to try and place small ball till you die. And yeah. we'll see how that works come playoff time when D'Antoni cannot win a game. Oh, yeah. Half the defense, double the offense. Anyway, so then I'll just touch on the last little go for it. little thing here for, uh, for the Nuggets part of that trade. Just remind me, Cody, the trade deadline like the trade deadline happens in in most sports, right? I don't think you see it as much in football as you do baseball and basketball, where a team that is contending goes out and gets players that may not be on the team for a long time and big name players to push, make a push and a run into the end. Well, whereas the teams that are not contending. Um, try to sell off their players to get get basically collateral in, in return, you know. So my question for the Nuggets is, what are you doing? Like you're a contender, you're supposed to be getting players, not getting like getting better, not getting worse. I don't think the Nuggets did anything to help their case. I think if anything, they may have lost a step in this contending race um, at the trade deadline for move forward. I don't think they they did not make the moves they needed to make in order to get a chance. At the time. Well, I feel like with hindsight kind of being in our back pocket, with Malik Beasley gone, what that does mean is more playing time for Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. And Michael Porter Jr. has really come into his own. He's had a handful of double-doubles this season. And I just, I feel like he can really contribute to the Nuggets winning a championship. So if Michael Porter does get more minutes, then that's ultimately like then, then it's a win-win for the Nuggets sure yeah I mean that's fair I think I mean like you could give him more minutes and then just sit Malik Beasley too you know which is fine because like honestly in the playoffs or there's a well first off before the playoffs there's a lot of time between now and the playoffs right so a lot of things could happen I'm just knocking on wood because you already know what I'm going to say but a lot of players could get hurt. Freak injuries happen, you know. Never know. Like Malik Beasley can move between guard and forward, right? So he's he is a versatile guy like that. So that's definitely something I feel like the Nuggets would miss. Um, I mean, does it hurt them by a lot? No, but in a couple, you know, months or whatever, if they come by an injury to one of their guards, yes, knocking on wood, then that might come back to hurt them. And I don't know, and Malik Beasley did well in his first game with the Timberwolves, right? That's where he got traded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he got he did well in his first game there. So I don't know. He's he is a good role player Malik though. Malik Beasley is a fringe starter in the NBA. He is. Oh yeah. He could be a sixth man of the year candidate someday for sure. I think I think there's no doubt about that. But yeah, so we'll we'll just have to see. Um Jesse and I were talking and we were both saying that we would have much rather seen Mon Malik Beasley, for sure. Malik Beasley. Oh, yeah. I feel like no, we could have yeah. got the same value. Yeah. Because Monte Morris can pass like pretty decently. Yeah. And he can score a little bit. But I feel like 
we have a guy who can pass, and his name is Jokic. Yeah. So, we, I mean, that's fair. We probably should have just traded away Monte Morris and Cat Beasley. We probably could have done the exact same trade. Yeah, I mean, that's probably fair. But it happened. We'll see what happens. Uh, I think this was a very interesting trade to look at just because, you know, first off, there are a lot of moving parts and there are like there are role players, right? That are moving around that are valuable and could add very much needed depth to, you know, contenders like the Houston Rockets or the Denver Nuggets. So we'll see. What about going non-contending teams? I know one trade that I thought was really confusing, and Jesse talked about this too, is, you know, teams that are trying to make a final push for a championship go for big players and smaller teams right. or worse teams trade away their star yeah, players. I, yeah. And why did Andre Drummond go to the yeah. Cavaliers? So that is a good one to talk about. Yeah. So, so Andre Drummond go for it. is Andre Drummond got traded to the Cavs, um, and in return the Pistons got John Henson, Brandon Knight, and then a 2023 second round pick. Yeah, I saw that. So first off, Andre Drummond was real salty because obviously I feel like he didn't see this one coming that he would get traded before Blake Griffin or Derrick Rose and. Yeah, he, he took it to Twitter as, you know, as smart as that is. And he, he talked about it. He said, you know, he basically thanked Detroit, right? And then he said, you know, this trade woke me up, showed me how much of a, well, you know, how much how much of a business professional sports is, right? Because he has been in the same place for a while. And he was saying how he felt betrayed, right? And if I'm being honest, I really don't know why <laughs> uh, the Pistons did this. I feel like they kind of did him dirty. Because they no. didn't trade him to a good team. No. So. The Cavs are worse than the Pistons. I don't know why the Cavs did it. Now they have like three centers on their roster. Well, yeah. no, they don't. They have Tristan, Tristan Thompson, Thompson. Kevin Love. Well, I guess Kevin can play the four. Yeah, Tristan Thompson could come off the bench. It's It'll be okay. <laughs> it, it doesn't. This doesn't do anything for the Cavs. Like, Andre Drummond isn't going to take Cleveland out of the sewage drain no. and into the playoff race. Oh, no. I don't think that he would do that at all, but he's an upgrade over Tristan Thompson. As of now, I think he's more of a compliment to Kevin Love. And they have some young guards there between Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. I am concerned about both of them because I've heard a lot of rumors that they just they don't play team basketball. They don't really work hard. They're kind of lazy. And it's, it's honestly been really negative. So we'll see. But I think this is a solid trade for the Cavs. Because they do get better, there's no doubt about it. Um, you're letting go of play- you're ba- they basically gave the Pistons nothing for him, so it's not like, you know, it's it's a terrible trade because they are getting a good player. He's could probably go put more, you know, fans in the stands and whatnot for a couple more years until they could figure out what they want to do. Um, and then if not, then you could always trade him <laughs> again. Honestly, I feel like he so. got a- the Pistons probably could have got a first round pick out of like a decent team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mavericks would have offered. I mean, he's basically good for 20 and 20. Yeah. Like, pretty consistently. Oh, yeah. And he was getting tied to teams like Dallas, the Celtics, um, not not really Miami. It was before Bam broke out Miami, but other than that, he was getting tied to some contenders for sure. And, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the Pistons kind of just screwed him over. Like, because it's not like they got a lot for him. They just... They just said, hey, I don't care who you are. Like, sorry, bye. 
it's a business with quotation marks and they just traded him just to get rid of him like i'm sure they saved some money but i'm pretty sure brandon knight and uh john henson are on multi uh year deals right now so yeah well no all in all Cavs did get better but in the long run of this season this trade doesn't really matter completely inconsequential yeah no it'll um, be it's fine though. yeah we'll talk about that in the more second but anyway before we get to the two big ones I know, Cody, you just wanted to touch on real fast Isaiah Thomas and his career, so give us a quick overview of that. Yeah, so Isaiah Thomas went from an MVP candidate with the Celtics a few years ago when he was averaging over 30 points per game. No, no, sure. no. It was, he was a candidate. That's not, that's not debatable. I'm sure, okay, he was a candidate, but he yeah, wasn't yeah. a contender for I, MVP. I just meant contender for MVP candidate. Oh, okay, okay. All right. But So averaging over 30 points per game. Then he experiences a pretty bad injury, gets traded to the Cavs. LeBron doesn't like to play with him, gets traded to the Lakers in exchange for that whole ordeal. Gets signed by the Nuggets last year. It's like a bench player. Signed by Washington this year, traded to the Clippers, and now has just been cut by the Clippers. Oh. And <laughs> Oof. is this the last that we see of Isaiah Thomas? I don't think so. I think he'll be back in the NBA still. I think it might be. He might get one more trip. I think he'll get one more trip. But um, at this point, I think I think it might be best just to go overseas if I were him. So yeah. that might be the move. I don't see any team. No team right now is like we should. We should sign Isaiah Thomas. No. And it's just. No. It's like, sad. I mean, but it happens. That's just sports. You know, you have good days. You have bad days. Or you know, good years and bad years. And honestly, he's he's on the downswing of that. So should should he go overseas or should he try and wait it out, kind of like Noah did? I mean, he's kind of up there in age. I feel so. If I were him, I'd just go overseas, make as much money as you can. You know, have some fun traveling while you can. You know, travel and get paid for it. That's what I would say. Like, go to the Euro League. You know, because I I mean, well, that's just me. I'd rather travel around Europe than like China or Australia. Yeah. And play sports, so yeah, it's okay. I mean, I, like I, I'm sad, but it's a you know, you had a good career. It's a good run. It's it's okay to go overseas. It's a new adventure. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna but let's talk. Next, well, yeah, let's next. talk about that trade though. Oh, okay. With okay. Isaiah Thomas and like how he got there in the first place because well, they traded Marcus Morris. There is there is a lot that happened. So the Knicks gave the Clippers Marcus Morris. So the Clippers were able to add another bench scorer. Right. Which, this Clippers team is already deep. Yeah. I mean, you have Kawhi and PG starting. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Montrez Harrell still comes off the bench. Yeah. Now with Marcus Morris, like, A, that's a tall lineup. And Marcus Morris is also a pretty decent defender, too. Yeah. So they add some decent perimeter defense, which I'd say that the Clippers probably already have, like, some of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA on their team in the first place. And to just strengthen a strength is really good move. And they didn't really give up anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's that's what I was talking about, where teams are making these trades to get the teams better to make a push. And the Clippers are in a position to make a push. Oh, yeah. The I Clippers... They, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think they, they did what they needed to do to, to make themselves better. Oh, yeah. And they did give up Mo Harkless... Who, you know, don't get me wrong, he's a good role player, but I I think Marcus Morris might be a better fit 
for them at this point, just because, you know, get a little bit more size, right? I think they have enough small forwards um, or guys who can play small forward. So, yeah. But uh, I think this is a good move for the Clippers. What would you, what would y'all grade this trade for the Clippers? So this is an A. A? They didn't, Mo Harkless for Marcus Morris. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that's a win now move. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I even say that this is a good move for the Knicks too. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're in, they're already in disaster piece mode. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter what they do as long as they get something from it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, because I think they also got a draft pick out of it. Uh, the Knicks? Yeah, yeah. they got the... <laughs> They got the Clippers 2020 first round pick, so yeah. it's, it's something. Well, yeah, we can agree on A, an A rating. What about you, okay. Simon? What the the grade? Yeah, I'd probably give him a B plus. I mean, he's not a starter or a star. You know, it's a good trade for them, but like, it's not like like a groundbreaking trade, I'd say, because they're like you said, they're already deep. You just add more people, and it's a it's a it's a solid move, I'd say. So. We're talking groundbreaking trades. Mm-hmm. I guess that leaves one trade. I, w- I wouldn't talk about two more trades. Go ahead and do yours first, and then I'll just I know which two we're talking about. So okay. Go and for it. I'm going to ask Simon, would you rate the Miami Grizzlies trade as an A? Or we'll say Miami. For Miami? Yes. Um. See, I would if they got Danilio Gallinari. Right. Wait, did they? No, they no. didn't. Yeah, so they didn't. Because, uh, like, there were rumors that they were trying to add him in. But, like, I was like, eh, I, don't, I don't know if that will work out. And then it didn't. Okay, um, so you wanted a lot. Yeah. For Gallinari. Which, okay. Because they have a ton of assets. Sure. Yeah. But I think um, I, I would give it probably the same as the Marcus Morris trade, a B plus. I'm not going to say, like, like, the Heat, you know, didn't need him as much as Clippers did because I feel like they def- they definitely need Iguodala more than uh, more than the Clippers need Marcus Morris. At least that's my opinion. And I just I don't know. It, he's a role player. Like he's coming off the bench. You got rid of Justice Winslow. You're basically I mean Winslow's been hurt for like you know he's been hurt a lot. So it's it sucks for Winslow, but you got to get someone who's reliable. Andre Iguodala. He has fresh legs. He'll get in there. He will bring. Uh, more, you know, veteran leadership, and you know he's he's just a tough guy too. So he'll bring more defensive toughness. I think this is a good trade, but I would definitely still give it a B plus. It's not groundbreaking, but it's it's a nice little trade. I mean, I think it could be groundbreaking, especially. I mean, we talk about. I mean, I wasn't on on the show where you guys talked about uh, your NBA previews and stuff like that, but I know that Cody was high on. I don't know if it was Cody or Simon. One of you guys were high on Miami. Um, Simon didn't even have Miami making playoffs. But anyway, so it was Cody. So yeah, Cody, had, Cody was high on Miami. And um, so, yes, I think they surprised, obviously, half of our analysts here, Simon. They surprised, <laughs> they surprised half of us yeah. um, that they're doing as well as they are. And um, I think in order to make a run and, you know, have a chance, I think they need to do this. Like, Andre Udall, sure, he's not a star. But he is, no. like, like Simon said, a consistent player that has a lot of experience who's going to be a great leader in the locker room and will put in the work. Oh, yeah. This is what Miami needs. Yeah. This is a really young yeah. team. Yeah. And there's been 
Jimmy Butler's leadership has been questionable yeah. in the past, as we saw in Minnesota <laughs> and in Philadelphia yeah. even. Yeah. So to bring in to bring in this veteran leadership, I think is that's the thing that puts over top shirt. He may just be a role player, but the reason me and Cody would consider this an A grade is because of now the veteran leadership to bring this young, talented team together to make a push. Oh yeah, I mean, no, it's no doubt a good you know move. Like I said, they they get more than Iguodala's playing. I'll say it like that. Yeah, they get more than Iguodala's. Um, yeah, you know, minutes. Yeah. in a game. You know, they get his leadership, they get his mentorship as well because he is a good mentor. I think he'll be a great mentor for Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, making them both tougher. Oh, and Bam uh, Adebayo as well. So he's going to make them tougher. And then they're reinforcing that, you know, tough culture that Jimmy Butler obviously, you know, embodies. Pat Riley, we've been knowing he's all about that. And it's really interesting because I think, well, I don't know how many years Iguodala has left on this contract. Might be one or two. Two years. Two? Oh, so he two does years. have a bit. 30 million, but the second year isn't guaranteed, so they can cut ties with him if they want to make a move in free agency. Another yeah. thing to think about as this being an A trade, because this right. is a pretty big free agent summer we got coming up, and they could pair up Jimmy Butler with another star. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of uh, Giannis to Miami um, rumors. That would make sure. me sad. <laughs> yeah, because I think that would be that would be an ideal, well, maybe not ideal, but I think those two would fit together very well personality wise maybe it's not you know the best basketball fit you know but it would remind me a lot of you know Dwayne Wade and LeBron and that whole thing back in the day like they like each other as people so they'll make it work either way well, I think so. anyone in the league can play with Giannis yeah. yeah I just don't know if everyone in the league well we know select people in the league cannot play with Jimmy Butler Cat, Wiggins Embiid Ben Simmons anyways Let's talk about those teams because Andrew Wiggins did get traded mm-hmm. to the Golden State Warriors yeah, for D'Angelo Russell. I, so I know yeah. you, me, me and Cody talked about this earlier this week about how Cody thinks that Golden State's going to be not not immediately really good, but he thinks they're set up and to be good for the future. Yeah, I agree. They'll contend for a title next year. Yeah. And no one's going to be ready for it. Yeah. But I've been... <laughs> February 9th, 2020, Cody Stoffer told you to watch out for Golden State next season. <laughs> okay. I mean, we all, all right, could have said us, that too. Tell us why. Tell us but, why. Yeah, so why? Yeah. How big of an impact is this for the Golden State Warriors right now and then it's the future? Well, right now, you get Andrew Wiggins to play, play a lot of minutes yep. because he's the only guy there other than Draymond Green. Which <laughs> even then, like I said, he's the only guy there. And, you know, there's a lot of youth getting minutes right now. And honestly, they should just let Steph not play the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I would do. And oh, yeah. not Clay either. Because next year you're going to get the Splash Brothers back and everyone is going to forget just how good they are. Mm-hmm. They're going to have probably a top 10 pick with how bad their season is going. It's true. And yeah. there's, there's some decent big men coming up in this draft. And mm-hmm. they've never played with a good big man. I mean, yeah. I'd say that the best center that they've had in Golden State is probably like Andrew Bogut. Like, yeah. that's not good. That's like, just a Zeely. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, so if they get a good young big man to play with the Splash, Splash Brothers and also Wiggins, Wiggins has been asked 
in Minnesota to try and shoot more from the outside. And I don't really think that's his game. No. I feel like he'll play a lot better with Steph and Clay spacing out the floor, and he can kind of attack the rim and play inside the paint. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Wiggins has been having a good season. He's back to averaging, I want to say, 22, 22 or 23 points a game. You know, a good amount of rebounds, at least a steal and a block a game, too. So he's been doing well, you know, and I think this is a great fit for him because, like you said, he does get to attack the basket. We got Stephen Clay on the outside. And let's be real, the games that Stephen Clay play, uh, it's very, uh, what's the word? It, well, yes, it's very complimentary, but it's very, like, ideal for them in terms of durability because, honestly, they could shoot like this probably forever. You know, maybe they might not be as athletic or, you know, as great on defense. But, like, if we do think about it, they probably have a couple more good years left where they are shooting at a very high level. Because that's their game. They shoot a ton of threes. They do it in bunches. But this way, you know, especially with a guy with Wiggins, you could just dump the ball off to him. And he would take all the contact, try to dunk on somebody, do all that stuff. And then you got those two on the outside ready for threes when whenever he dishes it off. And then I think with the whole, you know, they will get a good draft pick. It might low-key be the number one overall pick. That would be terrifying. Oh, yes. It's going to be, I know Wiseman has had a little bit of issues. The guy from Memphis, the senator from Memphis. Well, former. Yes, he's not there anymore. That's that's NCAA problems. But yes. Wiseman's still the best player. Yeah, so we're assuming he's still going to get drafted with the first pick. He should. Yeah. Um, And if... If Golden State does have that first pick and that's their guy, like Cody just said, they're going to be contenders next year and they're going to be scary. Oh, yeah. That's a very well-rounded team. It is. I would definitely – if so if they fall out of, you know, I guess um, – okay, not fall out. But if they don't get the first pick and they are three or two, I would definitely – I would highly consider trading Draymond Green in that pick to move up mm-hmm. and does, somebody else. That does – the next point, I was going to ask you two. I did hear some, some talk about should they have traded Draymond because they probably could have gotten a first round pick out of him um, and stuff like that. Like, do you guys think they should have moved him or kept him on this team? I th- can I go first? Okay, so I think they could have kept. They should have kept him um, just because you don't know what that first round pick is going to be. You know, because they could trade him to a good squad and you know, like say they traded him to Dallas. And Dallas gave up our first round pick, even though I'm pretty sure we couldn't have. But, or, or no, wait, yeah, we could have, we could have. But say he got traded to Dallas, that first round pick isn't going to be super valuable, you know. I'd rather trade him as, you know, as the player, like when the time comes, uh, once you figure out, all right, so this is where we're at in the draft. You know, this is uh, how much more, like, Draymond plus another player will bring us over the top and get a deal done for that number one overall pick. Because I think for the Warriors, it is, like, at this point, they're losing a ton. But right now, you got to think about continuing the dynasty because mm-hmm. one bad year, like, that's nothing. It'll be okay. The Raptors team was a good team, so that's fine. But one bad year, that's nothing. You know, let's, I think they got to keep the mindset that, like, all right, we got to trust the system. You know, Stephen Clay, there's still, we know they're going to be good no matter what even with the injuries and might not be able to drive as much, but that's why Wiggins is there, you know? And so you might as well try to, you know, continue to build that super team because they've been super notorious for super teams and try to trade up for James Wiseman. I think anybody else would be close to a failure at this point. Cause I, I, I wouldn't want to get LaMelo ball 
or whoever, or Cole Anthony or whoever else, because mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. So I think James Wiseman has to be the move here. I agree with that, that Wiseman is the move, and it's all to hold on to Draymond. Plus, you know, Draymond, his usefulness is a lot lower because you can't really talk smack when you're getting smacked around. Yeah. But Draymond's kind of under-the-skin defensive mentality is really good come playoff time. And we've seen what happens when Draymond gets suspended or has to miss games in the playoffs. They They lose games because he's an asset on the defensive side of the ball. Right. So I think trying to hold on to Draymond is a really good idea, and it's it's only more far-sighted than it is near-sighted than if they just tried to trade him and get as many picks as possible. Yeah. And I also feel like, you know, if they're able to hold on to Draymond and then trade him away and get James Wiseman, it'd be really good because they're still kind of recovering from all the uh, luxury taxes that they had to pay mm-hmm. for having a super team yeah. forever. So... They're in a really good spot right now with the way their contracts are set up, who they're keeping, who they're not. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're heading the right direction, honestly. And I feel... Now, as as for the other side of this trade, what do you guys think of Minnesota? A lot of people are thinking that this Minnesota team with D'Lo and Cat can make a push for the playoffs. And, well... I'll talk about my opinion in a second, but I just want to know what you guys think. Jesse, Jesse do you think the that Timberwolves? Yeah. the Timberwolves have a bright future with deloading and cap? Um, I think they'll be all right. Um, <laughs> Oof. I think they'll be all right. I don't, I don't think the fact that this trade went down was, you know, like obviously it was for the future. Mm-hmm. And again, as I think just... I'll play the role of, if we're going by the books, this is exactly what you're supposed to do at this point in the season if you're this team. I mean, they definitely, and on top of D'Lo, they also acquired Willie Beasley and mm-hmm. Macho Hernan Gomez. Right. So, I mean, what do you think? You're, you look concerned. Or... So, I, throughout the season, I've mentally been forming a list of players who I think are soft who are probably never going to win anything significant unless they're on a super team, uh, like Kevin Durant-esque, right? And preach, preach. And here's here's my list. I'll, I mean, it's not in any order because I think they're all trash, anyways. But Joel Embiid, he's on that list. Ben Simmons, he's on that list. Cat, he's on that list. And here's what they all have in common. I think they're all soft. The fact that Jimmy Butler, like, okay, first off, bullying isn't cool. I'm a teacher. I know how this works and all that. It's not cool. But the fact that stories came out that Jimmy Butler was bullying Cat was like, okay, well, see, they called it bullying, but it's the truth. Like, he doesn't work hard. He barely gets better. He's not any stronger than he is when he was a rookie. And he, like, he's just, like, he's stat pads. And that's it. And he really doesn't play with that much intensity unless like things are going really well for him. And I don't know if it's just like a mental thing where he can't like, I don't know, he just can't do it consistently or he feels like he needs to be hot or he just shuts down. But I don't like that. And it's not D'Angelo Russell. I know he's a good player, but I don't think Cat is that great of a player. And I don't think that, you know, D'Angelo Russell is going to make them that much better than Andrew Wiggins, if I'm being honest. I think the problem is Cat. I think he's just not that great of a player. 
And I don't see them making it to the second round of the playoffs at all. Ever. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, I don't see them doing it ever. And I'll say that right now. I just, I think, I think he's soft. Like, every time I think about Cat, I think of that little meme of DeMarcus Cousins before he tore everything. Basically, like, you know, brick walling him because Cat couldn't get through him because he's still weak and doesn't really go out and lift like he should. So, I don't know. I think that was, that was a really harsh take, but that's just my honest opinion. I really don't think he's all that. I don't think he's as, like, he probably, he works hard, or in his opinion, he works hard, but he doesn't, like, it's not elite, like, work ethic. I wouldn't even say it's, like, great work ethic. I'd say it's good to okay. So, above average. And I like the take. I actually, yeah. I like that take a lot. Yeah. I mean, do you have anything to add to that? No, I, I feel like he hit the nail right on the head. Okay. Because Cat, I mean, he came into the league with a lot of hype out of Kentucky, mm -hmm. and everyone thought he was going to be the future of the NBA, and since then, he's been overshadowed by oh, yeah. other big men and people who win games. So Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's shown promise for sure. Like, he, he has some good highlight plays. Like, you know, every now and then he could... You know, hit a couple. He, he, every now and then, he could hit a couple of threes in a row and get the crowd hype. You know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just it's just something about him. It's just something about him. I don't like his mentality. I I don't think he's the strongest leader either. Um, maybe it's coaching staff. I don't I know. know. Is he still there? No. no, it's some other guy. So maybe it's the coaching staff, but yeah, I just don't like Cat. I don't I mean, like Joel Embiid either. three coaches in your career, not one of them has really helped you take off. Yeah. Is it really the coaches? I mean, it might not be. You're right. So, yeah. I, that, that's just that's just my opinion. And the same goes for Joel Embiid. I see a lot of the same uh, things in Cat as I see in Joel Embiid. The only difference is that Embiid talks a lot. And he, like, like the thing, people give him a lot of passes too because he kind of makes fun of himself and roasts himself. But if we we're being honest, he's really not that good. Uh, like obviously he puts up numbers, those are good. But when it comes to like the nitty gritty and whatnot, I'd probably rather have either Pascal Siakam or DeAndre Aiden at this point than either of those two ever. So, I mean, Joel just needs to stop shooting so many threes. He yeah. Needs to play like a center. Yeah. Okay, if you guys had to choose the biggest winner. And the biggest loser from this trade deadline, who would you say are the biggest winners? And one, like the biggest winner, and who's the biggest loser? I mean, with the biggest winner, like now or in the future? We'll go now. We'll go now. Here, you All go right. ahead and start. I'm going to say the biggest winner for me is Miami Heat. Well, we'll say, actually, we'll say overall. Long term mm -hmm. and short term. All right. Okay. Overall, so, okay, it would come down to the last two we talked about. I think Golden State and Miami were the biggest winners. Okay. Are you going to say why? Or? Um, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think Miami got their win now. Peace. <coughs> um, and Golden State set them up for a, a very bright future. Okay. Um, biggest losers. Let's go. That's tough. Um, come back. Okay. Here, so, I could go. So winners for me, it's the Atlanta Hawks. I really like that they traded for Clint Capella. Not that John Collins isn't good, but you know, you add 
a little bit more balance, add some interior defense to to that young squad over there with Trey Young and uh, what's his name, the the guy from Duke, the one that nobody. Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Yeah, I was about to say the guy that nobody really talks about, but you're right. Yeah, so Cam Reddish, and I, I kind of like that. I think that's a really good uh, building block for the Hawks. So that's a big dub. I think the Warriors, I'd have to agree with the Warriors. That's a really good uh, pickup. Mo mostly because, like, you know, Wiggins, he's going to put people in the stands. I I'll guarantee it. Like, he'll probably get a couple really nice highlight plays between now and the end of the season. And, you know, as a Warriors fan, you could take what you get. You know, you, you take those nice little moments. And then when you're back to contending, which will probably be soon, then, you know, you enjoy those as well. And then losers for sure. Losers the Nuggets. Yeah. Unfortunately, go for I it. agree it's the Nuggets. Yeah, I think I don't know why they traded Malik Beasley and then cut the guy they got back for Malik Beasley. That wasn't the greatest move. And who said, Hey Minnesota, here's Malik Beasley. Yeah, yeah. I don't why? I don't know. That that was kind of weird. I think it's something that will hurt them. Well, might okay. I won't say will, but it might hurt them later on. And I'd rather not have that chance if you just say no to the trade, which they could have. But yep, there's that. And then probably the Rockets. I don't think this team is built to last. Uh, I give them until when does the season ends? Like June. Yeah. Yeah, I give them until maybe July before we start hearing trade rumors from either Westbrook or Harden. Or other players on the team. I think this team will collapse. I, I don't think it's going to work out. So. Yeah. What about you, Cody? I'd have to say that my biggest winner is definitely the Miami Heat. Okay. Just to second Jesse because they made their win now move. And with the way that Iguodala's contract is structured, they they have you know a window to get out of Iguodala next year if right. it doesn't work out and still be in a winning position. I'd also say that the Grizzlies were a pretty big winner because they got another young piece in Justice Winslow. And this might be the beginning of a super team in Memphis with John Morant, Justice Winslow, whenever he gets healthy, and Jackson. Right. All, Jackson and Morant were already playing really well on top of getting Justice Winslow, who could be really explosive for them. Then I'd have to say that one of the biggest losers is one of the teams that didn't participate in the trading, being OKC, because with the rumors of us trading Gallinari, we really wanted Justice Winslow, and that would have been that would have been a great move, especially with our young core moving forward. And we didn't get the deal done. I don't know why we're holding on to Gallinari because we actually are worse with him in the lineup than when he's not in the lineup when he takes so many shots. So. Definitely OKC lost out on that. And then I'd have to say that the Pistons are also a big loser yeah. from the trade deadline. Because That's a good one. not only did they get rid of Andre Drummond for no reason, but they ruined their image to any potential free agents that might want to sign in Detroit. Mm -hmm. As an organization that's kind of slimy or a little bit sus. Because Drummond was, I mean, go on, go on. I mean, really though, because they didn't tell Drummond at all that he's going to be traded. And I know that they have Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose, but Drummond. When I thought of the Pistons, I thought of Drummond. Yeah, because he's been there for so long, and he's done his job the right way, and he's done everything the right way. 
And for them to just up and ship them out like that with no warning was pretty sketch. So I say that the Pistons were a big loser. That's fair. All right, cool. This Pistons team would have been scary if it was 2011. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, it's not. (laughs) To wrap up this segment, I'm just going to give the updated standings for the NBA Eastern Conference and Western Conference. And then I'm going to ask each of you to just give me one team based on this trade deadline that you think will either go up or down and how this will change. Okay. So in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee is still the number one seed at uh, 45 and 7. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. And then mm. Toronto is number two at 39 and 14. Nice. Boston is number three at 36 and 15. Miami is number four at 34 and 17. Philadelphia, the 76ers, are number five at 32 and 21. The Pacers wow. are number six, 31 and 22. Brooklyn, number seven. 23 and 28. What? And then the Magic are eight at 22 and 31. And then Washington's the next closest, but they're not even at they're not even that close at 18 and 32. So. The East sucks. Cody, I'm gonna pick Cody. Okay. Give me one team that you or like one thing that you see happening here. I mean, you're on Miami. Miami's number four. So if you want to talk about them, go ahead. Miami could be the second seed in the East. I feel like. They could probably beat any team not named the Bucks in a best of seven series. All right. Ooh. That's great. That's exactly what we're looking for. All right. That's pretty good. Cool. All right. Um, Simon, so I'm going to ask you with the Western Conference after this, but I'm going to give you okay. the update. So, LA, the Lakers are number one at uh, 39, 12, excuse me. Um, Denver is still number two, 37 and 16. The Clippers are number three at 36 and 16. The Utah Jazz are number four at 33 and 18. Houston is number five at 33 and 19. OKC is number six at 32 and 20. Dallas is number seven at 32 and 21. Memphis is at eight. Hey, sit down. We're recording a podcast. <laughs> Memphis is number eight at 26 and 26, with Portland closely behind them, just outside at 24 and 29. So, Simon, give me your one team that, based on this trade deadline or what's going on, what do you think could change? Oh, so it doesn't have to be just moving up. It could be no, no. Moving. It could be moving down. It could be anything. Whatever. What effects you think that the trade that has? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think. Nah, here I'm, I'm not going to say that. No, so go for it. it. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to agree with you. Go ahead. Hold up. Wait. So who did OKC get actually give up? Because I'm trying to think, but like I don't really know their players like that. No, OKC didn't, didn't do, do anything. anything. Oh, they did. I said they were a loser because they didn't. They didn't build better for the future. Oh, okay. Well, they'll still be okay. I think they'll stay there. Um, so I think the Clippers over the long run will probably move up then. I think they'll overtake Denver as well. Yeah, I think so. I I, I want to say they'll either be one or two. I won't say one and I won't say two, but I think they'll be one of those at least. Just because, you know, it's like I said, over the long run. So no one's really going to notice them moving up, but they will be. And I think that's very important to keep in mind, honestly, just because this is this is a team that I feel like a lot of people kind of overlook at times, you know, because they're not, I don't know if I'm just being honest, they're not super fun to watch. <laughs> like, like, you know what they're going to do. They're just going to play great defense, right? And then, and then do whatever they want on offense because they can and because they're playing great defense. And... Yeah, I think that's a team that will move on over time 
because I do see the Lakers possibly having more injuries because, you know, more. I'm probably going to blame AD more than LeBron, but AD is probably going to get hurt one more time. Dwight Howard might get hurt. And then JaVale McGee is probably due for another injury soon. And Kyle Kuzma. And Kuzma, actually, yeah, because Kuzma did not get traded. I thought he played terrible. I'm not a fan of Kuzma either. He's another one that's on my list, by the way, with Embiid, Simmons, and, like, I just don't think he's all that, like, yeah, like, he's just not that good, you know? And he honestly doesn't really have that hard of a job, I feel. Like, it's, it's he don't, I feel like he doesn't have that hard of a he gets a lot of open shots. Yeah. No wonder the Knicks didn't want him after he scored four points against the Rockets. God. And I'm never going to forget when it was the first game after Kobe passed, and this dude basically costed them a game because he let a center shoot a fadeaway shot. He let Hassan Whiteside shoot a fadeaway on him to seal the game, and he didn't even put up a hand. So there you go. Yeah, I think right. the Clippers right. will be moving Clippers up. Clippers moving up. Miami moving up. That's what we got from this trade deadline. Yeah. So yeah. All right. That's it for the segment. So next up, we are going to start our 2019-2020 NFL year in review by going over the uh, AFC, AFC West. West. Home of the Super Bowl champs. Jinx. Yay. Coming up next. Welcome back to the Cycle 365. I just realized I didn't say my name, but y'all probably already know it. I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon Voyanos. None of us said our names. I'm Jesse. I'm Cody Stoffer. Hey, we were calling each other by our names. Yeah. That's an informal introduction. Yeah, well, we're 50 minutes into the podcast, so if you didn't know our names by now, there you go. Right. You should have been listening to the other 19 episodes. Yeah, that's true. Check them out if you have not. But we are going to start our year in review, and we're going to start with the AFC West. So let's skip over the Kansas City Chiefs because we talked about them a lot last, uh, right. you know, last week. So there's no they need. They won the Super Bowl, and we talked about what they should do. But anyways. Yeah. So let's talk about these other teams. Let's start from the bottom. The San Diego Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers. Sorry. The Los Angeles. Gosh, man. I'm oh, never going to get wait. There's that. another team that we're going to have to work on. That's true. Vegas Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> but but let's start with the LA Chargers, right? Um, so disappointing season. A lot of <laughs> a lot of people kind of had them, you know, doing well moving on uh, into this season. They Some people had them going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I knew that wasn't going to happen. It was... It was Maurice Jones, true, from <laughs> yeah. NFL Network. If you if you go back to the NFL preview, none of us thought that the, the Chargers, Chargers were going to be good. good. No. no. Did any of <laughs> us say they were going to make the playoffs? No, no. No, none of no. us. All of us said, I either said they were going to be bottom. I said they were going to be bottom. I said they were going to be worse. I said they were going to be bottom. Okay, because they great. didn't do anything in the offseason. And we saw what happened. Yeah. Melvin Gordon wasn't going to play. So no, like, he didn't. We knew he was, yeah, we knew they were going to be bad. Okay, good. So, 
We're starting out with a dub. We got that one right. <laughs> yes, we are. We got this, that is a, one right. this is one of the few instances where we all A, agreed on something, and B, we're all right on yeah. it. That's true. Good job this cycle. So what's next for the Chargers? Because I'm pretty sure Phillip Rivers is, yeah, is Phillip done. Yeah, Rivers will not resign there. So I yeah. think what has to happen, what absolutely has to happen, because they're going to have a pretty high pick, is they have to draft a quarterback. Yes. Probably. So I've been looking a lot at a lot of mock drafts. And it's not looking great because they don't have the greatest pick. Yeah. So they'll probably have – I mean, they don't have to, but they. it's the only option they have. But Justin Herbert, yep. he's come up. I'm not a big fan of him, but he's there. Don't they also have Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor could play one more year. He's on the depth chart, and yep. he's uh-huh. shown to be a starting level quarterback. I yep. don't think – but, again, I think if he comes in, they have the exact same season as Tyrod Taylor this yeah. year. Philip Rivers – what I'm trying to say is they have so many holes that maybe they use Tyrod as a transition year, especially with the quarterback class next year. Because if they have a bad season again, they can trade up and get a way better quarterback next year. That's true. They could still compete. They do have, so other than Phillip Rivers, they have Melvin Gordon, who has not been signed yet, I'm he, pretty sure. I don't think he'll resign there either. And he probably won't resign after what happened. Yeah. So he's on the way out. Austin Eckler is there, though. How confident are y'all in Austin Eckler taking over? Okay, I think he could be he could be the number one guy, but I don't think he can be the workhorse that a team in the NFL needs. I think you need to pair him with someone else. Yeah. Absolutely have to. What do you think, Cody? I have to agree with Jesse. He's great out of the backfield. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, he's basically Darren Sproles. But bigger. You need need somebody who can, I mean, you look at Melvin Gordon when the Chargers were good, Mm -hmm. and he would be running the ball 25 to 30 times a game. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe what you could do is, if you like that, a good good thing be here, like a good spot. They're going to have the sixth pick. Why not take Jonathan Taylor, another Wisconsin running back? Who could be your workhorse? Who could be a great um, addition and um, just backfield partner with Austin Eckler? I think that's that could be a good move there. Very true. First off, go Eden Reds. Austin Eckler is from Eden, Colorado, where I student <laughs> teach right now, and we'll be student teaching for the next couple months. So, oh, sorry, I know his coaches. <laughs> so, anyways, I agree. I think I don't know about taking Jonathan Taylor so high up. I mean, they can if they want, but I think it could also, you know, they could get away with drafting some other running back in the fourth or fifth or sixth round, you know. Someone just to add in there that they could give touches and split touches with Austin Eckler as well. I agree. So, but they'll be okay other than that. I think the biggest thing they really need is is linemen, to be honest. If I were the Chargers, I would probably opt out of drafting a quarterback and rather get a lineman that first round instead, and then I roll agree. with Tyrod. There's some decent offensive linemen that they can take with their pick. They're, they like. have they have the sixth pick. Yeah, for you guys to know, they have the sixth pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, I think you can look at they don't. I mean, again, you can still add to that defense, but they still have Joe Bosa. Yep. So they still have a good defensive end. Um, but, they have a plethora of good corners. Yeah, and so I think they need to yes address. The offensive line. Yeah, the offensive point. line, the quarterback. I'm going to be honest, receivers too, probably. Yeah. I mean, they have Mike Williams, who, when healthy, can be a pretty decent wide receiver one. Yeah. They Hunter should look Henry into a tight too. end, though. Well, they have Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, Henry w- yeah. was hurt, correct? 
Yeah. This so isn't, he, well, this either was way, a recovery guess, year. At that point, they just need to find people who are healthy. Yeah. Because the Chargers, they are always hit by the injury bug. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people say that's unlucky. But when it happens as much as it does to the Chargers, maybe they have to start looking into replacing people. Mm-hmm. Because you also have, like, Melvin Ingram on the defensive side of the ball. And even Joey Bosa gets hit by the injury bug. And it's like, yeah. well, they either need to invest into depth where it's not just a complete drop-off mm-hmm. from those players, yeah. or they need to try and get people who can stay healthy. Yeah. Or get a cool? better training staff. Yeah. This is also true. So I think what we're saying here, do you have anything else to say about the Chargers either way? Any of you? So I can just wrap them up. This is a team that could be really good, but they do have some tweaks. That, like, not huge changes, but they have some tweaks they need to make. First... Fix that offensive line. That's the biggest mm-hmm. thing. So I think maybe what you could do is, I think also, well, if you want to get an offensive line, I, I agree. Tyrod Taylor could be your starting starting guy with Austin Eckler. I think that that backfield is fine. Receivers, you're all right as well. You could bring in, get a you know late fifth round receiver guy just to come in and take some reps. What they should do, I think this is how I'm, this is how I'm, I'm last thing I'm gonna say with the Chargers. Now I just thought about it. I think they should do, they should sign one of the big name offensive linemen like. Brandon Scherf's, Jack yep. Coughlin. Kelvin uh, Beach and Will also yeah. be free agency this year. So, so sign with them and then draft a first-round offensive lineman. I feel like they could do that, and then I also think that they should address the linebacker position. There's not a leader yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, unless you count Joey Bosa or Derwin James. And they both can be. It's just, you know, if you want to be traditional. You need, a, you need a linebacker that can play sideline to sideline. So all of their linebackers are one-trick ponies. Yeah. But Anyways. Yeah, that's, really, that's anybody it. the Chargers add will be an upgrade. Oh, yeah. And if Marquette King plays for the... Yeah. yeah. What? What? Marquette King is the punter for the Seattle Battlehawks. That's St. Louis. That's St. Louis. Louis. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Okay. I did not know that. That's an interesting move. But anyways... Uh, if there are, if the option for the LA Chargers to leave and move literally anywhere else is there, I suggest they back take to it. San Diego, probably. I don't know yeah, if they want them back. They're not going to do that because the NFL approved their move, mm-hmm. and if they go back on it, it's going to look really bad. Yeah. yeah, they could go to San Antonio. I don't know. That would be a great. San Antonio would love the Chargers. They would take him in for sure. Right. They well, would honestly that's, take anything. That's a I don't know. I that's could a, love a team like that, but that's we'll, a uh, that's a conversation for another day. We will yeah. in the future, down the road, have a podcast about relocation stuff and everything yep. like that. And with, speaking of with our friend John, with our friend John, that's true. But anyways, speaking of relocation, yes, let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. There we go. So, let's see. Disappointing season. I think we both. I think we. Oh, not both. Sorry. I think we all felt like that the Raiders weren't going to do well because, you know, Antonio Brown was going to ruin it for them. And he definitely did. Uh, it was it was bad. I think this Raiders team would have been, you know, they were a fringe playoff team, right? Like, they had a crazy chance of making it in. And obviously they did it, but they had a chance. And, you know, if they had Antonio Brown, it's... Not hard to believe that they would have made it in at least as a wild card. I think this the Raiders team 
In order to win, they need to move on from Derek Carr. Really? Mm-hmm. I well, think he's a mediocre NFL quarterback. Um, I think hmm. I think they could find someone else. Like, for, for a great example, be, it'd be not probably not the best move for them, but sign Phillip Rivers. That'd be interesting. What do you think, Cody, before I get in on this? I kind of like that move. I would have to say that this is a disappointing season for the Raiders. You don't sign a coach to a 10-year, $100 million deal to miss out on the playoffs three years in a row. Two years in a row. We're only two. It feels like it's been so much longer. Yeah, this is year two. (laughs) And it's just, we don't see a lot of the moves panning out. And the Raiders were in... Their fate was in their own hands to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and they choked it away. So, yeah. I feel like that that's on the coaching staff and on John Gruden that they definitely had a chance to make the playoffs this year, and they just didn't. And they even fizzled out at the end with a loss in Denver for the final game of the season with the season on the line, even though Tennessee won. But, you know, they... I just don't know what the status of this team is, but I do agree that they have to move on from Derek. I think it's time. See, so here, I'll, I'll, I'll address Derek Carr. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's mediocre. I think he's a lot like Alex Smith, though. He's, he's somebody, you know, he won't make a ton of mistakes, but honestly, I think he is somebody who will get better. Like, he just takes a really long time to grow, you know, and he's a consistent guy. Um, and he's, I honestly do think he's a good leader, and he's good for a locker room. He will take control of a locker room and, like, He'll, you know, he's, he's a good guy. And so I think that maybe this fit with the Raiders isn't the best. Yeah. I also acknowledge that they don't really have a number one receiver unless you count their tight end that they just gave a huge extension to uh, Darren, Darren Waller. Waller. Way too big of an extension. Which, yeah, first off, way too big of an extension. He's not that type of tight end. And, yeah, honestly, he really didn't have that many weapons. I guess Tyrell Williams sometimes. Or, you know, Hunter, not Hunter Henry, sorry. Hunter Renfro. Hunter, Hunter Renfro yeah, sometimes. Keelan Doss sometimes. Tyra Williams sometimes. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm saying sometimes as much means that nobody really stood out. Other than Darren Waller. I think the one bright spot for this offense, obviously he was injured for a good period of time. But, I mean, they do have Josh Jacobs moving forward. He will be healthy and he's a good running back. Yeah, he was playing with a fractured shoulder for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. I think if he was healthy, they probably would have made the playoffs because they were leaning on him a lot, which I think was the move. And then letting, you know, Derek Carr, like, pick, you know, pick off, de- not pick off, sorry, uh, pick apart defenses, you know, when they start stacking the box. So, so it happens. It, it honestly happens. Uh, if he moves on. Oh well. I do know. think like here's another thing I just thought of too. Like I don't know what's gonna go on in in uh, New Orleans yet. Okay. But like I could see, be great sit. Um, because like you said, Derek Carr is a great leader and he has the he has that locker room. Yeah. Leave him on the roster as the backup. Bring in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater to be the new face of this new team in LA. Give him a chance. Uh, uh Las Vegas. That's gonna have to be a no for me, Chief. You don't think so? Bridgewater doesn't fit in in Vegas, and here's why. Simon just talked about the lack of weapons, mm-hmm. and that's why. I mean, if you think about Bridgewater, should stay in New Orleans. 
Well, that's probably what he's going to because do. Of, because of the weapons that he has there. And also, it's just... Bridgewater's not a flashy quarterback. No. Like, Derek Carr can flex his arm strength sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, like, he can make plays and he'll, like, be running and diving for the end zone and stuff. Bridgewater doesn't do that anymore, and we know why. He almost died. So, like, I feel like that's not really a good fit. I feel like Rivers might be a better fit. But honestly, they should probably just write out Derek Carr's contract. And I've also heard and seen some things that John Gruden kind of likes Hurts. And after the end of the season, they could easily get Jalen Hurts in a later round. Mm-hmm. If yeah. no other teams scoop him up. So, and I feel like Hurts would be a pretty decent fit in the silver and black in, in John Gruden's system. How would you feel about that, Cody? Well, I, wouldn't ha- I would not root for Jalen Hurts anymore, so. <laughs> but, Oof. all right. I, I like that idea, though. Anyways, but, uh, right now, I'm looking at the mock draft. They have the eighth pick, okay. and they currently have Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson, going there. Well, so, okay. Isaiah Simmons is a great linebacker. Don't get me wrong. And he would actually do wonders for that defense pulling it together because they did draft some solid defensive guys, especially on that O-line. The Cleland Farrell, he didn't really pick. I mean, he, he had an all right season. He still had, like, five ish sacks or something like that but the other guy they got in the later rounds oh my gosh i'm like blanking on his name oh oh max crosby wait hold up is that it that sounds like a hockey player's name i'm pretty sure it's max crosby from eastern michigan he was a defensive end or something like that and he uh played pretty well and i think he does have a starting role on that squad moving forward too uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons would be a great pickup, but like I was going to say, I think picking wide receiver, maybe even exclusively mm-hmm. well, so in the first and second the, round. Looking at this different mock draft now, they do have Jerry Judy at the 12th pick. Okay. Um, so that was what I just said was a proposed trade. I don't know if it went through or not. So they actually have the 12th pick in the draft. Yeah. And right now it has Jerry Judy going there. What do you think about Jerry Judy going there? I think that would be a good move. I think that's the best case scenario, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best move today. Yeah. Can I also give you guys one more interesting thing to think about here? Going Go back it. to the LA Chargers. In this one, they have actually the Dolphins taking Justin Herbert and then Tua falling to the Chargers. That's not going to happen. <laughs> There's no way the Dolphins would botch that up that bad. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Right. So I think the Raiders they need a they need a draft receivers. Um, I would not be mad if they drafted receivers in the first round because I know they have two picks, and because I think that would make them better. Because if I'm being honest, like the best receiver Derek Carr played with was Amari Cooper, and there's a reason Amari Cooper's not getting getting an extension in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I mean, so theoretically, the, the Raiders could draft Jerry Judy with their first pick, and then a guy like Lavisca Chenault with their second pick, and then that would be the two lockdown guys on the outside. Yeah. Or just get Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. There you go. <laughs> and that That'd would be, be so and then and then, draft, so and then draft Jalen Hurts in the third round. There you go. Then you just have <laughs> Alabama all over again with all of them and Josh Jacobs. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness John Gruden is dumb. He's not going to do this. Well, we'll see. If he does do this, yep. you owe him an apology. No. Anyways, no, okay. I will on. never apologize. <laughs> move on to the last team we're talking about. The Denver the NFL, Broncos. The Denver Broncos. Yeah. All right, y'all get it started. Denver Broncos, I'd say this season, it's hard to 
say disappointing. Well, from our initial thoughts, disappointing. Mm-hmm. But with how the season ending and ended, it's uplifting because obviously Joe Flacco wasn't the answer. We talked about it multiple times throughout the year, but we found a guy. We think Drew Locke. Yeah, he could he could be good. And I mean, we still. The, the thing about the Broncos is even though Drew Locke played really well and it's encouraging to see, we have a lot of holes and we also have a lot of free agents on the horizon. Justin Simmons, who's probably the best safety in the AFC, even, even though the Pro Bowl didn't show it, he he's a free agent right now. So I feel like the Broncos, if they want to contend for the AFC West next year or even a wild card spot, which they should be in a good position to do, mm-hmm. they need to keep Justin Simmons... They need to sign an offensive lineman. We could probably reach for Jack Conklin or somebody like that. And then we could even draft a lineman or a wide receiver to give Drew Locke to throw to because Cortland Sutton is by himself right now. Yeah, very true. Uh, so let me add to that Justin Simmons thing. So according to my sources who have talked to Justin Simmons in the last couple of weeks, I think he might give y'all a slight discount if y'all were to offer him an extension because he does want to stay here along with his family um, because they did talk to his family as well. And I think he is somebody that y'all should easily be able to sign. You just got to reach out to him because he just needs... I mean, honestly, I'm pretty sure it sounds a lot like he's going to give y'all like a discount, to be honest. I know it's a second contract in y'all, but he wants to stay so that's just the tea that I've heard around Denver these last couple of weeks leading up to the Super Bowl from Justin Simmons himself. So there you go. I mean, who wouldn't want to play here? Well, Big fan of his defense. you know, <laughs> fair enough. But uh, yeah, did you have anything to add on to that, Jesse? Um, I think, well, so in this mock draft, the Broncos are drafting Henry Ruggs with the 15th pick, Ooh. which would be good. Get, get that receiver. Get some speed opposite of, yeah, Cortland Sutton. Um, I think, Broncos fans, it's okay to let go of Chris Harris and Derek Wolf. I think both of them can go, and it'll be okay. Yeah, (laughs) I I agree that it's time to move on from Derek Wolf. He just hasn't been... The guy we want him to be. Or he has been. Hasn't played consistently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, injuries are tough, but that's just how it goes. And Chris Harris, we can... We, we were talking about how we could definitely see that he lost a step. Yeah. And he's going to want more money than we're willing to give him. Because I don't want to pay Chris Harris $13 million a year. Yeah. Um, also, I think the Broncos, obviously he still has one more year on his rookie contract, but Adam Gotsis needs to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's just taking up cap space and not doing anything. I think an under-the-radar guy that they need to resign is Shelby Harris. Mm-hmm. Uh, do tackle because obviously we don't have any of those. And we need to at least keep one bright spot. He's not he's not a super he's not Malik Jackson, but he's good enough to play there. He gets batted passes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he led all interior defensive linemen in batted passes. Yeah. So we which have makes to it easier in our secondary. I think Todd Davis can go at inside linebacker. Ooh. Um I think they found a guy in Alexander Johnson. Um We should still go after a linebacker either in the draft or in free agency. Yeah, but especially if you're gonna play two middle linebackers. But I think you found your one solid guy in Alexander Johnson. I feel like Corey Littleton would be a great signing. Yeah. Yeah. The Rams. yeah. 
We also have Bradley Chubb coming back. Yeah, Bradley Chubb there and Von Miller will still be there. So it's only up from here. <laughs> we just we got to make sure to outpace the rest of the division in getting better. Because if we don't do anything this offseason, then we're going to fall behind. Yeah, as we yeah. saw happen to the Chargers this past offseason. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that the Broncos need to do, um, I'll just get an offensive lineman, get a receiver, and then find, I would say, a linebacker secondary kind of type of guy. That's a lot of things. Yeah. So the defense needs to be replaced is what we're saying here, for the most part, outside of Justin Simmons. I mean, I feel like Fangio will still get the most out of, like, his players. But as far as from when we won the Super Bowl to now, Vaughn Miller is the only guy who belongs on this team. There we go. Okay. And Justin Simmons. And Simmons, probably. Uh, he wasn't in the, obviously wasn't in the Super Bowl winning team, but he deserves to be on this defense. Oh, yeah. But I said from the Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think this defense will be fine either way. It's a transition period for sure, but it'll be fine. Big news with Pat Shermer. Yeah, Pat Shermer, he's a great pickup for sure. Still have Mike Munchak in there. Big fan Joe's obviously ca- calling the defense still. So you have, a, you have a really good coaching staff. Honestly, in my opinion, I think this might be the best, like, well-rounded coaching staff in the league. So, I mean, it's up to y'all now. <laughs> the offense needs to click. So Drew Locke, he needs to get better. Y'all need to grab linemen for sure. I don't know if receiver is a huge priority than linemen, but I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a line coach, you know, or I can be a line coach. So offensive line is always important. Having some guys that could step in there and do their job well, because if they can't, then it doesn't matter what any what Drew Locke does or what Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant do. So yeah, I think linemen's the move. All right, and then we already talked about the Chiefs. So let's make some really early, or actually, hold up. Let's backtrack real quick. With the Broncos and Raiders, how are our predictions? Because, well, actually, sorry, we already talked about the Raiders, right? Like, Because I think I said that they were going to not make the playoffs in my predictions, and then they didn't, so I was right. Did I any of us say that they were going to make the playoffs? Yeah, we also said the Raiders were not making the playoffs. Okay, good. So that's two in a row. For the Broncos, I know y'all are already wrong with it, though. Yeah, we said so. they're gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I mean, like in the long run, we had the Chargers on the bottom, then the, then the Raiders, then the Broncos and the Chiefs. So technically, we got all got the order right. We just thought the Broncos would get that wild card spot. Sure. And they were in contention for it near the end of the season. Yeah. They knew yeah. I mean, I mean, they. I'm saying, I'm saying, like they didn't miss it by like. An insane amount. No, no. They, I mean, no one thought they were gonna make it, but yeah, they didn't. <laughs> I mean, they they didn't miss it by an insane amount. It was really close. I think y'all will be better. Uh, I'm I'm trying to get a radical opinion out of y'all. Do y'all think y'all could win the AFC West next year? I don't think we win the AFC West, but I think we do get the wild card. I'd say that once the, like you said, we have a really good coaching staff. And once the actual talent catches up to the coaching staff, then we could be really dangerous. Yeah. We we can be a sneaky wild card team that can do make some noise in the playoffs. Yeah. But anyway, so we're we gonna do our way too early predictions for the division. 
Um, no, we're good. We could do oh, that once. Uh, yeah, we. Oh, could, I was we, just gonna go KC, Denver, Oakland. Okay. Sorry. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I mean, because like I, I kind of wanted to save it for next year's preview if we do get to that. Well, we still have a whole off season to react to stuff. So. Yeah, I know. So, like Way I said, early, this is a year in review, so we're good. All right, so that wraps up the AFC West. We're gonna do much more divisions coming up. Just reviewing each team, going into depth what we think they should do. So yeah, up next, uh, more football. We got the XFL. So the Renegades versus Battlehawks game is still going on, but we're gonna go over. The other three games, quick takes on the league. Uh, we're probably all go pick offensive and defensive players of the week. And yeah, coming up next. Welcome back to the last segment of the Cycle 365. This is episode 20, recorded on February 9th. We have just finished the last XFL game, Dallas versus St. Louis. So. We are going to do a quick recap of the week for uh, giving out some awards. Right, Jesse? Mm-hmm. All right. Take it away. All right. So first game of the, uh, the week here, the first week of the XFL was yesterday, Saturday. Yeah. Um, the first game was uh, the Seattle Dragons at the D.C. Defenders. Mm-hmm. And D.C. took it 31-19. to Yeah. Uh, honestly, so the score makes it look like it wasn't that close, but... I mean, obviously, with the rules and whatnot, it, it was, you know, pretty close, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least leading up into the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really interesting game. It really set the tone for the weekend because there were some really nice plays that went on. Cardell Jones for the D.C. Defenders looked really good. You know, Brandon Silvers, he <laughs> he didn't look great at times, but he, he had an up-and-down game, Yeah, I mean, I'd he say. still threw three touchdowns, but yeah. I think the biggest... Yeah. Biggest takeaway is the reason they lost. He threw two interceptions. Yeah, and wasn't one of those a pick six? Yes, one of them was a pick six. Yeah, there you go. And so, it I don't know. It, they could have. I think they're jitters for sure. <coughs> I'll probably need a whole another like week to you know be able to, I guess, seriously evaluate how good Brandon Silver's or all these teams are, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a good game though. DC yeah. they came out firing. They they look stacked all around though. Yeah, I'd say all in all it was a fun weekend to watch. Yeah, first one. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of jitters, so we can't really see what it's gonna really be like until we see these next few weeks. Oh yeah. But it was a great great opening weekend. It was, and this was a really good game. There is some uh, standout players, like I just mm-hmm. said, Cardell Jones. He threw for a couple yeah. touchdowns. Cardell right? Jones threw uh, 235 passing yards and two touchdowns, along yep. with 28 rushing yards. So yeah, there he goes. So yeah, he stood out pretty pretty good. Yeah, he stood out. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was say he stood out. I mean, yeah, he stood out. He played well. He looks like somebody who belongs in the NFL. In the NFL, yeah, I think I yeah. think well, I mean, still pretty early, but he definitely looks like he will be one of those candidates that at, come the end of the XFL season will. Be looked at by NFL teams. Oh yeah, and that's that's good because like you know this league is for development. I think he's getting some good reps out there versus solid talent, you know. And yeah, like I said, he looked pretty good. He, he was throwing some dimes out there. Timing was nice. Obviously, there are some throws he missed, right? And then there are some times where he held onto the ball for a little bit too long. But for the most part, he looked good. And so that's for that game. That's who stood out for me. Was yeah. there anybody? I think the only other one just to give. Someone on, on the Seattle sh- a shout out. I think Austin Prohl. With oh both, yeah, we both um, were impressed by him. He did have 
five receptions for 88 yards and two receiving touchdowns. So he caught two of Brand Silver's three touchdowns. The other one was um, the running back. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, he actually played really well, too. He, uh, he So he scored the first ever XFL touchdown, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, it was a nice throw by Brandon Silvers up the seam, kind of. I need a, I might need to look it up. I don't think it was a seam route, but it was. It looked like it was up the seam. And, you know, it was a nice catch. He caught it. He, so he showed off that he has pretty solid hands out there. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was like a really long, like, 50 or 60 yard touchdown play. I think I was the only one in the room who actually saw it because you were on the phone. I was on the phone, but I did have it on the TV, just no sound. Oh, wait, down. So okay, I so you it, saw it. All right. I didn't hear it. But yeah, I knew I knew he was good. I'm like, he just, I think he showed in this first week, Austin Pearl showed that he can fit that smaller NFL slot receiver spot, like a Cole Beasley oh, yeah. or. Um, Adam Humphreys, like he's that he's that type of guy, and I think he could play in that that role. Yeah. And I think something to mention is you told me this because I asked you about it yesterday, of like why he was overlooked, and you said because he was he went to University of Northern Carolina mm-hmm. and was overshadowed by Ryan Switzer, who is in the NFL on, yes. the, on the Steelers. Yes. Um, but really, they are kind of like the same player. They are. I, um, think, so I think. I mean, I still think Switzer is a little bit better of a player. But, you know, lots of in the NFL. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So it's not like it was anything unfair. It's just one of those things, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I know mean, there yeah. is one other guy you wanted to touch on. Um, Campbell, the defensive back for the defenders. Yeah. Uh, so Elijah Campbell from Northern Iowa. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It was Northern Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought he played uh, really good coverage. There are times. Um, where he just, like, he would blanket receivers, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was very clean technique. You know, athleticism was obviously there. He looked he looked very polished off. He also had a, a blocked punt, which ended up, you know, being, being a, a touchdown. touchdown as well. So, like, yeah. again, it goes back to, like, the offensive, like, offensive-wise, this game was pretty even between the two. It just comes down to two really big plays that of why the score looks the way it does at 31-19, and 19, you know. Yeah. Like, the... Punt return or the not the punt, sorry the in, interception return for oh, yeah, there we go. touchdown yeah. and then the punt recovered for a touchdown so I think that's, yeah that's what it is yeah and that's and that's pretty big that's at least six points so that's twelve and that would have put the dragons up by one at that point mm-hmm. so yeah it, honestly it wasn't as bad I think this dragons team will be able to compete um you know like they didn't look as bad as some other teams but that they'll get to huh that, we'll get to the other teams that look. Not oh, yeah, we'll, we'll look at all the teams for sure. <clears throat> but um, they, they look solid, you know. And this D.C. Defenders team, I think a lot of us did pick them as uh, the, it's the favorites to, you know, win the XFL mm-hmm. or the championship or whatever this season because they are pretty stacked. And, you know, they look good on paper and they look good on the field. Uh, Pep Hamilton did a really good job. So uh, this I think the Defenders right now might be the team to beat. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But I Seattle's think, nothing to sleep on either. They're still good. Yeah, I think one, the last thing I'll say about this game, this last takeaway, is I was, it was, I don't know, I was kind of sad that Keenan Reynolds didn't have as good of a day as I thought he would have. I mean, he actually didn't do anything, really. Yeah. He only had two receptions for five yards, so he didn't do anything. But I, I'm like, I'm kind of disappointed that he didn't, because I feel like he's the receiver to get it done. Oh, yeah. And well, him, with him and Austin Pearl, <coughs> I think those two need to get it done. Yeah. In Seattle. No, I, I agree. He he struggled, honestly. He didn't really look that good. He had a lot of drop passes. 
his routes were obviously not Chris. I mean, there are times where Brandon Silvers wouldn't give him a great ball, but like Keenan Reynolds, I mean, you know, it was still balls that he could catch, right? But he just, I don't know, he looked a little, a little, a little lost at times, which is pretty concerning because he was drafted by them. So said all this time, and I don't know. That's there's definitely some concern there. I was hoping he would do better. Maybe it was just a bad game, though. It yeah, happens. Well, we'll see. Go. Again, yeah. this is the first week, so obviously we'll get a real gauge on these at the end of week three, I would say. Yeah. We'll give them three, three, three weeks. And yeah, we'll yeah. see who really emerges. Oh, yeah, we'll give them some time. Yeah. All, All right. right, so that is the next. So the next game we're going to move on to is also yesterday on Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, the L.A. Wildcats versus the Houston Roughnecks. Yeah. And Houston did win 37-17. to 17. Oh, yeah. So this one looked a lot closer than it was, in my opinion. I feel like Houston ran away with it for the most part. Mm -hmm. I think it just came down to the fact that Houston's offense was the best, I would say, was the best offense put together this whole weekend. Yeah, it looked uh, really good. They looked like they're on the, you know, on the money, and they're just clicking on all levels, you know, Mm -hmm. already, which is good. And I still feel like this offense could do a little bit more, right? Oh, yeah. So it'll it'll be interesting looking forward. P.J. Walker or Philip Walker. Mm-hmm. So he was a starting quarterback for the Roughnecks, and he looked incredible out there. Yeah, in he my did. Opinion. He uh, threw for two hundred and seventy-two passing yards, four touchdowns and one interception. And all four touchdowns were for di- to different receivers. Yep, there you go. Did they have a rushing touchdown or no? Uh, he had a two point. Well, an extra point. Quote oh, unquote. Yeah, that's if right. you don't know the rules, it's pretty interesting in the XFL. I'm, I know. I'm pretty sure we went over it in an earlier podcast, but. Yeah. You did. Yeah, so like they don't kick extra points. They go for either one extra point from the two-yard line, two extra points from the five-yard line, or three from the ten. We didn't see anyone go for three nope. this weekend. But anyways, it was a, a one-point extra point that he ran in. Yep. Okay. Well, that's still good. But yeah, he, he looked really good. He looked good. His arm looked very strong and uh, accurate. Yep. There were definitely a couple of times he'd roll out. And he'd just throw an absolute dime deep, and it'd be great. Mm-hmm. And so he he might be the person to watch, honestly. I've heard a lot of things about him that he looked really good. He did beat out Connor Cook, mm-hmm. who was drafted shortly after he was selected or um, assigned to them. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it, he impressed me for sure. He looks yeah. like an NFL guy, in my opinion. Someone that has been overlooked because he did go to Temple. He's a little bit shorter. You know, but his arm looks great. Uh, his throwing motion looks very natural. And then they didn't really, he didn't really get to run a lot this game, I yeah. feel. Which is. <laughs> he will. Oh, yeah, because he will. But I, like I said, he didn't get to run a lot this game, but I feel like he will. And he, he is due for some big, uh, you know, running games, mm-hmm. rushing games. Yeah, here I soon. think there were even some. ESPN came out with a story, or not a story, but like. A saying that they said, oh, he looks just looks like a mini Deshaun Watson. Must be something about Houston. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, that should be – they they uh, compared him to Deshaun Watson. So, if that's that's what he looked like, that's that's what – playing pretty well, I guess. Yeah. He, uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tyrod Taylor in mm-hmm. some ways, too. I mean, because obviously it's the XFL, so there's that. But he – in my opinion, he looked pretty good out there. He definitely won the rough Nexus game. And, and that's not to take anything away from L.A. Because they, oh, I don't I don't know what they're doing at quarterback, yeah. if I'm being honest. Like, they started the Princeton guy, right? Yeah. Kanoff. Uh, Kanoff is his name. Kanoff, yeah. And I don't know what happened. I, they did. So, Joe Johnson is supposed to be their starting quarterback. But he got injured, apparently, this week in 
in practice. Right. And so he's not going to play. He'll play next week, but he didn't play this week. Josh Johnson, I yes. think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry, yeah. Josh Johnson. Um, so he's their starter, and I think he will have a better... I mean, Keanu didn't play bad. He did have two touchdowns. Yeah. Well, one rushing and one receiving, and threw one interception for 214 yards. But he did not look like he was in control of the offense like Josh okay. Johnson will. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. The yeah. other guy they put in, he didn't really do much anyways. No, he, so. he, no, he had a terrible day. Yeah. He threw, but, for, he threw four attempts for no completions and an interception. So. Yeah, yeah. I think once they get their quarterback situation mm-hmm. you know, figured out, they'll be fine. Because Nelson Spruce, your yeah, boy, yeah. he had a nice little game, yeah, right? Yeah, the one standout I saw from LA's offense was, yeah, Nelson Spruce. He's a receiver um, from Colorado. So when I had season tickets to watch them growing up, he was like my uh, my idol. I wanted to be like him when I grew up and stuff right. like that. So Nelson Spruce is definitely my guy. And he had 11 receptions for 103 yards. Yeah. So he had a big day for a receiver. There he um, goes. He did complete. He was... I would, you would say, quote unquote, Mr. Reliable. They went to him in third and long distances or just third downs because he has the best hands on this team. I think, yeah. to be honest, I think he probably has some of the best hands in the league. Yeah. I think he might be one of the top, probably top two best hands in the league. Um, and I think that he will show that, yeah, he deserves to be on an NFL roster as well. I think this is another guy that we can see that will probably be playing in the NFL come the end of this XFL season. Oh, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, he uh, he looked really good, in my opinion, you know. he It was a shame, you know, he was catching balls from uh, some inexperienced quarterbacks, but, you know. Yeah, but still put up 11 receptions for 103 yards with inexperienced quarterbacks. We'll just show you when oh, yeah. Josh Johnson gets back, he should be the first targeted guy every, every game. Yeah, he looked impressive. I'm pretty sure he leads the league in receptions right now. He with does, 11. yeah. He also... Re- the league in targets. He had 15 targets too. Ooh, so yeah, like they obviously want to throw him the ball. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's not a bad idea. I think LA is a lot like Seattle. They kind of just need to settle down. Um, it would help having their starting quarterback out there too. Yeah. So we figure that out. Elijah Hood didn't have as big an an impact as we thought yeah, he, he would. Th- he ran for 43 yards. So yeah, he, I mean he. To be honest, out of he's still probably in the top five rushing yards. Running yeah. backs in this league because as we found out this weekend, it's definitely geared toward passing. Oh yeah. So the running backs don't have lots of rushing yards. Um, so he's still he, he's still in the top five rushing yard wise, but he needs to have bigger impact for the LA team. Yeah, that's fair. But but I do think I agree with you on. in the fact that yeah, like you said, with Seattle, both of these teams will compete in every game. I think they just need to settle down and figure it out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just, we're talking about minor adjustments at this point, you know. Um, well, obviously, L.A. needs their quarterback back. So I kind of give them more of a pass than Seattle. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it'll work itself out. Yeah. All right, we're going to the next game. Now we get to a team that we thought was going to be good, but actually did not play well at all. Yeah. The Vipers. So the Tampa Bay oh, Vipers man. played the New York Guardians. And the New York Guardians won 23-3. In my opinion, this game probably should have been even bigger spread oh yeah because vipers tampa bay played terrible yeah it wasn't good and i think a lot of that (laughs) is credited to uh aaron murray because he just i don't know like i saw it early on like he was kind of like throwing i noticed this pattern but he was like overthrowing his receiver slightly like they'd still catch it early on but it was like uh, like let's you know let's calm down let's get the ball on the money let's get our timing right 
and it didn't get better. He kept overthrowing them, which resulted in multiple picks. Yeah, he threw two interceptions, and then he threw one to one of his tight ends, and he just dropped. Like, his tight end just fumbled it, just dropped it on the ground. Yeah, that too. Returned for a touchdown. So, like, the turnovers were a big, big thing that <laughs> the Vipers need to address. Yeah, uh... I'll be honest, you know, oh, and this is just a side note. We'll, we'll talk about the whole league and our first impressions, like, after the recap. But I thought Greg Olson, he commentated for this game, and he did a very good job. Uh, I like I like his style, you know. It's very it's very personal, I'd say. Like, you could definitely relate to him, and he, he makes it seem easy, right, to understand. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good. But I think near the end of the game... <laughs> I thought it was really funny. Most people probably turned it off by then. <laughs> but I thought it was really funny. So, what was it? It came down to... So, it was 3-23, to 23, right? Mm -hmm. So, it came down to, like, a fourth down on the goal line. Because the Vipers did make it into the red yeah. zone a handful of times, I felt. Mm -hmm. And it was fourth down. Quentin Flowers, the backup quarterback out of the University of South Florida. Yeah. He was actually playing really well. You know, he was running the ball very well. When he had the chance to throw, which wasn't a lot, he he threw very well. And so they had him in. Then on fourth down, they took him out and put Aaron Murray back. And Aaron Murray, he basically had his receiver on a slant. And he was open, but he threw it into the ground, like, in front of his receiver. And it wasn't an accurate, though. wasn't really a lot of pressure either. He had a relatively clean pocket. <laughs> and... And, like, before the play, Greg Olson was like, oh, why did they take out, uh, what is it, Quentin Nelson? Quentin Flowers. Or, sorry, Quentin Flowers. I don't know why, because Nelson Spruce. Yeah, out yeah, he was like, why did they take out Quentin Flowers, you know? Like, he got them there, you should let him finish it. Yeah, he goes, I'd like, to see, I'd like to see him in there on this fourth down. Oh, yeah, I'd like to see him in there. And then Aaron Murray was obviously, obviously in there, and he threw it into the ground, and Greg Olson just said, and you could hear the sigh on air. And it was right before commercial break, too. He just sighed, and he said something like, you should have had Quentin Flowers in. And then they went to commercial right after that. Yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. And then they talked about it after the commercial break, too. Yeah. I will yeah. say one bright spot for the Vipers. Um, their receiver, Daniel Williams, who's a 6'3 guy at Jackson State. Yeah. He did have 120... Three receiving yards on six receptions. So that's a bright spot. They do have a guy that they can throw the ball to. Oh, yeah. For sure. No, yeah, for sure. There's no doubt there. Mm -hmm. I think I think Quentin Flowers is the move. I yes. know Mark Trustman, you know, he's, he's a big pass guy and whatnot. And, like, you could still pass with Quentin Flowers. Like, you don't have to run it with him all the time, which, like, they're doing things where he'd literally go into the game just to hand it off. And I'm like, okay. I think that doesn't make sense. I definitely agree. I think moving forward, this quarter, this is the first quarterback change we need to see. I yeah. think Quentin Flowers needs to start next week over Ann Murray. Yeah, I, the sooner the better. I just think Quentin Flowers, like he looked better. He's obviously way more athletic. He's a younger guy too, uh, so that that mm -hmm. definitely plays a role in this. And you know, I uh, I, I like him. You know, he's, I've always kind of liked him in college. He was a little undersized. There were. Times I think he went to the NFL and had to switch positions at some point. Uh, it was he was with the Bengals or something like that, and then now he's in the XFL as a quarterback again. And I like that he's a quarterback, you know. So it, I think it'd do him a lot of good to you know get him like get him out there, you know, use his legs, right? Run a lot of RPOs and whatnot, and you know just 
let's 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 get something going because I think the Vipers definitely could have could have won this game if they played a cleaner game. Like yeah. they hurt themselves more than the Guardians did, honestly. Yeah. I think speaking to the Guardians, the one guy, I don't know if he stood out, but he played a better game than I guess you could say me and Simon thought was Matt McGloin, the quarterback for the Guardians. Oh yeah. He was we uh, he he did he was a great game manager, I would say. He didn't do anything yeah. to hurt his team. We also didn't, I wouldn't say, do anything spectacular. No. But, because uh, he threw for 182 yards and one touchdown. No interceptions. So, I mean, he did everything he needed to do to manage the game. And I think, also watching this game, I think the Guardians, because they have Matt McGloin, looked most like an NFL offense. Where they came up, yeah. he, had, he had multiple checks at the line of scrimmage. He had multiple plays that he could audible to. Right. They actually did huddle like none other team did. Yeah. Um, so I think this looked most like an NFL team or an NFL offense because Matt McGloin is a veteran and, and I would even say the NFL. Like he was there for a good amount of years and now he's oh, yeah. the veteran of the XFL. So like he knows what he's doing and it looks more like, most like uh, an NFL team. Yeah, it looked it looked very organized. I'd say you know not not that the Vipers didn't look organized at times, but no, they the Guardians definitely look like they came to play. Defense played very well, obviously. Um, also, it's easy to play well when you know the opposing quarterback is literally crumbling, yeah. like under the pressure. So that wasn't good. But uh, he, or sorry, the Guardians altogether looked pretty good. You know, like you said, McGloin played a solid game. He got the job done. You know, wins matter, and it was a it was a good win and. In MetLife Stadium, honestly, which I will say was semi-filled. Like, yeah. go on. I will say for the Guardians though, um, when they go up a team, when they go up against a team like DC or Houston, who won on Saturday, Matt McGloin is gonna have to do more than just manage a game. He's yeah. gonna have to because if he manages the game like he did, they're gonna lose because Cardell Jones and PJ Walker will just outplay him. Yeah, they'll challenge him for sure. So he needs to. You need to step it up, and I think he can. But uh, we'll, we'll see how many more times he has to throw the ball because yeah. I feel like he he is kind of an up-and-down player for sure. I do think this game is a little bit different if Quentin Flowers plays at quarterback over Aaron Murray. I think they do test Matt McGloin and, and the Guardians a little bit more. But we'll have to – I mean, they're in the same division. We'll see this game, this game again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely will. I think, yeah, like I said, Quentin Flowers needs to start. Mm -hmm. You know, that's it. It's just like Aaron Murray, like we thought you'd be good, but he just didn't look composed. Like he was out of sync. It just, it wasn't good. So let's, I th I'm saying get in a good new quarterback, you know, like mm -hmm. Quentin Flowers. He showed flashes and uh, I don't know, maybe they could win this game. I felt like this was a winnable game for the Vipers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was what it was. All right. So to the last game yeah. of today. This game probably was out of all of them. It was... People say it was a, it was a, a shootout, like not a shootout, like a oh, barn burner, like not a lot of people scored and everything like that. Yeah. It kind of was the least exciting game though. To oh yeah. Watch. It, I don't even know if it, like you'd want to you want to say it was a defensive game, but I don't think it was a defensive game. I just think it was two teams that were too over amped. Yeah. And their offenses <laughs> couldn't do anything. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it, it it was tough to watch. Yeah. So the St. Louis Battlehawks yeah. beat the Dallas Running Gates in Dallas, fifteen to nine. So this was probably the close. It was the closest game, uh -huh. you know, on paper, out of all of them. But it was it was hard to watch. 
So first off, Dallas, they ruled out Landry Jones. He was activated earlier this week because he was coming off a knee injury, but uh, he wasn't ready to play. And they didn't want to risk it, which is understandable after watching Philip Nelson play. So, uh, yeah, that, that happened. So Dallas's offense definitely struggled. Like, there were times where I felt like they had receivers that were wide open, you know, and I don't know, Philip Nelson just kind of missed him deep. I think the only thing I can say about Dallas is I don't really think anyone on their offense stands out, stood out this week at all. No. I really don't. I think, but I think just the last thing, I only have one more thing to say about Dallas, and that's that they absolutely have to have Landry Jones in next week in order to, to do anything. They were the favorites to win the league, and in order to do that, they need Landry Jones in there. So I oh, think yeah. that's, that's what it comes down to. I think Landry Jones is the face of that franchise, you could say. And yeah. he has to be in there if they want to win. Yeah, and that's that's hard to that's hard for me to say as a Steelers fan because I've seen him play, <laughs> but XFL could definitely be different. I it was hard watching Philip Nelson because he was missing players, and I was like, oh man, come on, you know. And there there was some good defense in this game though, you know. There were some very nice hits and stops, and it it was good, you know. Um, but yeah, Philip Nelson he didn't look great. So Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar, they both split carries too. They looked all right in flashes, but like, you know, it's really hard to grade them on this, especially because, you know, they're stacking the box a lot, you know, because they didn't, they felt like they could beat Philip uh, Nelson. Yeah, Philip Nelson, our backup quarterback uh, it, with man. So, yeah, there's not much you could do there. Dallas didn't play well. The Battlehawks, on the other hand, they they had some flashes, yeah. 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 They're a lot better than we thought they would be. Mm -hmm. I will. I was pleasantly so. surprised with their quarterback Jordan Tayamu. Yeah, he, he showed played, up. He played really well. Um, it was his first ever like start outside of college, right? Um, and he threw for two hundred nine yards and a touchdown, but also added seventy seven rushing yards. Yeah. So he definitely was the quarterback that ran the most in this game, and they got the win. So I mean, like, I think that was the biggest standout for for me about this Battlehawks team is that Jordan Townsend is ready to play. Oh yeah, he definitely is. He so and that that's a surprise because we thought, you know, the likes of Matt Jones and Christine Michael would, you know, help him out a bit, right, with the run game. And they, you know, they they had some no, nice see, plays. Yeah, Matt, Matt Jones did actually rush for 85 yards. So he is go. the leading rusher right now in the XFL. In the XFL. Yeah. Matt Jones and we we assumed that. I mean, like yeah. If you go like in our previews we talked about, even just last week, the XFL preview, we knew that Matt Jones is the most NFL-like running back in this in this league. That's still, like, kind of in his prime. Yes. Yeah. So, like, we were not, that doesn't surprise me that he ran. he's the leading rusher right now. Like I said, he he probably, even if you go back and listen, Cody, Cody says if he could hold on to the ball, he'd probably still be an NFL starter. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's why... That didn't surprise me. And yeah, he definitely gave Jordan Tamu the help he needed. Yeah, no doubt. And it, it was pretty exciting, though, still, like, to see the Battlehawks compete and do that well. I think Jordan Tiamu, he looked good. Obviously, he's raw in some places. He took a couple of sacks that were that were his fault. You know, it wasn't the line's fault, but it was his fault. And his coach got on him, and you could obviously hear the coach talking because uh, everything is mic'd up. So there's that. But he, you know, he did his best. He played very well. Or he, I won't say very well. He played good enough, right? So next week, 
you know, looking for more improvement from Te'amu. Uh, I like his game, though. I was not sure about him because I know he played with DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, and they didn't really do a lot of things over at Ole Miss in college. But, you know, he he kind of showed up. You know, he proved I, – I know he has something to prove right now because I think a lot of people are on the same mindset as I am, you know. Like, he played with two really good NFL caliber receivers and didn't really put up the best numbers, you know. But, yeah. We will have a good test next week because they play Houston next week in Houston. So Oh, yeah. So we'll see how Jordan Tayamu does. And Jordan Tayamu and the, the Seattle, or sorry, St. Louis Battlehawks right. do um, against the Red, the ref next week. Yeah, that, that will be a good test. Yeah. But, all right, so let's, uh, let's talk about our first impressions right here. Let's talk about our first impressions of the XFL altogether. You know, after the first weekend, you know, like, so what, what What are you thinking, Jesse? What do you like? So give us, how about one thing you like and then one thing you dislike. And then okay. I'll go next. I think one thing I do like is I think it is very exciting. Yeah. I think the big play potential is there. Like, at any point, someone could go 100 yards. Yeah. So I think the, the explosiveness is there. The, um, I think it's, yeah, exciting to watch. And I think the idea behind it is all great. Great. Um, they... I think it's gonna be really fun to watch these these players that are just on the fringe of being NFL players develop more and oh, yeah. hopefully get their chance in the NFL. Because I'm all I, I'm all about that recruiting stuff, you know, and I'm all, like that's what I want to do, and I move on. But um, all like yeah, to see them grow and get their opportunities in the NFL is what I, I'm excited to see. Yeah. So I think that that's good, and um, I think just to mention the, those fans out there that like. Do like the XFL? Listen to our podcast. They did. Simon did tell me that they did sell out. Sell sorry, not sell out, but sell more tickets in just this opening week than the AAF did, which was the football league they tried to start last year. Yeah. In total, like their whole season. Yeah. So that's that's just a promising sign for for the XFL. It is. Um, I like some of the the different rules that are in it. Um, and yeah, I think it's just an exciting thing to watch now that regular NFL football is over oh yeah it's it's definitely exciting it's good I think a lot of people don't realize that the players in the NFL are amazing but the players that barely don't you know get into the NFL are still really like like they're probably still amazing right so like they have big play capabilities they could do some really awesome things and it's good seeing some new names out there like names that you know in a couple months during the NFL preseason preseason they come up and you could say, hey, I've, I've seen that guy play before. And not just college, but, like, you know, against other pros, too. So that's that's a good thing. All right, so what about one bad thing for you? What was one bad thing? Um, or negative thing, I'd say. I think me and you talked about this, this this morning. Yeah. But I think the, the one negative takeaway that I have from this is I know the XFL wants to be, like, all access and, like, really – really get down and, and show viewers what it's like. But I think there's some time where they need to just tone it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, there was one, <laughs> I know we talked about it, and I'm sure you'll you'll want to bring it up too, but in the D.C. Defenders game, um, on the pick six, right. the sideline reporter's trying to get like get to talk to this this guy that just intercepted it while, I think it was, who was it, Raheem Moore? I think it was Raheem yeah. Moore, yeah. And then it was and, one of those things where, yeah. like... They were trying to do a celebration, like a team celebration. Yeah, like You've yeah. seen them where they, like, cross their arms and 
look like they're posing for a picture and everything. And she's like trying to stick the camera in his or the the mic the in mic his face, in his and then face. they like all run off, and she's like chasing him across the field. Yeah. The mic it just didn't look good. Not yeah, not very professional. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny. It's an interesting like thing though. Like <laughs> a lot of people think it's funny that like you could just interview players and coaches whenever. Mm-hmm. So like <laughs> like I saw this one little meme that said Mexico. It's really funny that like a person could you know fumble the ball away or fumble a game away, and then a reporter could go up to them right after and be like, "So why would you do that?" <laughs> and yeah, uh, I don't know. I think it's interesting though because. You do get to see a lot of things like that, you know, mm-hmm. like their thought processes. And it also keeps the coaches and players on their toes. Because let's be real, when you are a professional athlete, you have to be able to handle the media. You know, so for a lot of these guys, it's a it's a nice little, you know, practice run, like like over and over again. But it's a nice little practice run being able to handle the media, say the right things, you know. Or, you know, maybe even get the wrong things out so you know better next time. Yeah. Because they're, and like, you're not going to be able to control anything, um, obviously, unless, you know, you just have a really big delay. And one difference I saw between yes today and yesterday was that during the on the field interviews, you could see there was a good, like, five or second de- delay yeah. between, you know, them yeah, talking. If and, you do watch, we yeah. were watching the very first game. So, <laughs> Seattle yeah. versus. Um, the DC, defenders. yeah, yeah. Um, and the delay wasn't long enough. They're doing one of those, and the F word was dropped. Yeah, and they did not get it in time. So, oh yeah, the lady literally, and maybe it's because of the way the lady asked it. Because in my opinion, she didn't do the greatest job as an on-field reporter. Everyone else, I thought, were very professional, did their best, mm-hmm. you know, and they they made it work. But she looked a little uncomfortable, maybe, or like. She looked like she felt like she needed to go up to everybody all the time and set that tone, which was which was interesting because nobody else, yeah, like, I mean, like felt that way. Like she's when this when this, uh, I mean when this incident happened, she's interviewing the center for for Seattle and like right. he's not doing anything. Like obviously he's blocking and snapping the ball, but you don't need to go up and interview him, the center, the well, team that's not winning. I think he like she asked about a fight. That happened. Yeah, that he was involved. He, he was. You can say he was involved. If you watch the video, he like was in the very very end and didn't really do much. Yeah. So like. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't even Still. him fighting. Oh no! It was. It really wasn't. It was just some shoving. But yeah, he ended up dropping that. And so <laughs> today, a lot of the interviews were like six or seven seconds, like you know, delayed, so they could like mute it because when that interview happened like he literally said the word and then they ended up muting the rest of the interview by yeah. accident so that's yeah whoops that's just technical difficulties that happened but yeah uh i agree all right so uh for me pluses i i really like a lot of the new rules so a lot of the rules in the game are made so that it makes the pacing of the game much faster and so for the NFL, we talked. You and me talked about this, Jesse. But for the NFL, I wouldn't like it as much. I like it a little bit slower, right? And you know, t- take your time because it is a good product, right? The NFL, the XFL, it's new, and so a lot of people, you know, they want to see they want to see action right away. They want to see like good football, and I think the XFL delivered on that. You know, first off, because their players are talented and whatnot, but I. Th- 
the pacing of it forces players and teams to go fast. So a lot of no huddles. One of the features is that I'm pretty sure everyone on the offensive side of the ball could hear what the coach is All saying. All the skill players, so just not oh, the, so the, just skill. Not the okay. offensive line. Okay, yeah, so... All the skill players could hear it. So, like, once they hear the play, bam, they could get into position, get going. Quarterback, all he has to do is, you know, make the make the call at the line so that they know, you know, who to block and whatnot, right? And that, that might actually contribute to why the running games weren't as great. You know, this first game, maybe it's because, you know, linemen are still trying to have to get used to all that, you know, right offhand. So, there's that. But uh, I thought it was really good. Like, the pacing was fantastic. I like the new kickoff rules. It was a little interesting to watch at first, but over time, like, I, it just kind of grew on me, you know, because it is a lot harder to, you know, run it back because they're all there. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it would have to be something spectacular uh, for a kick returner to take it back. And I like that because it, it adds a challenge. And we already talked about the one, two, and three-point conversions. I think that's good because, you know, it could be like an eight- eight or seven point game and a team could you know score a touchdown get three and there'd still be a chance to win and so overall i think the rules made the xfl debut like really good to watch you know uh there are definitely times where like the pacing was so quick like i would get on my phone or i'd be doing something on my laptop and like i'd miss like a whole drive or two and it'd be crazy but that i like that though because mm -hmm. you know not a lot of people have patience to watch like semi-pro football like this for a long time but this it felt like it went by fast like i'd say you know two hours max right mm -hmm. every game or so if not less and that's good that's pretty good including commercials and whatnot as well so like that negatives um so we already talked about the interview one that that one's not as big for me because i feel like they fixed it <laughs> like the second day like the first day they're like all right that doesn't look good but the second day, you know, they didn't do it as much, right? Mm -hmm. It felt more natural to, like, just throw in different interviews and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So just throwing in different interviews. And I think the people were a little bit better, too. Pat McAfee looked like he was doing a good job out there. So, yeah. Um, I guess my biggest thing is, like, <sighs> so back to the all-access thing. I like how, you know, you could hear what the coaches are saying at times. I really like how you could hear the refs, you know, when they're doing a review because I don't like just sitting there not knowing what's going to happen and just seeing the same review 30 times and, you know, hearing what the analysts are going to say. I like I like hearing the perspective of the refs. You know, it makes for some reason, I guess, like it makes them seem more trustable, like reliable and whatnot, like mm -hmm. like because you could see their trust, you know, their thinking process. So that, that was good. But uh, the thing I don't like is miking up coaches. Uh, <laughs> like I know it's semi-pro football, but if a team was smart enough and/or really wanted to win, they could definitely just have someone watch the broadcast and then relay like the plays because they would literally go into the plays, mm -hmm. like the names and like the names are like NFL plays too. So like it says everything the receiver is gonna do, line protection, all that great stuff, right? And yeah, I don't know. It seemed a little weird to me to hear that a lot. And I was like, ah, okay, I, I don't know, that's a little suspect. You know, I don't need to hear the coaches say plays out loud like that. Because then, I mean, anybody could cheat, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's no rules against that. So, yeah. I don't know. That's the only thing. Also, like, 
Maybe it's just because they got to fix the technolo technology aspect of it. But, uh, like, the audio, like, leveling was kind of weird. So you'd hear the announcers talk while the coaches are talking, while the quarterback's talking. Yeah. And so they just all overlap each other, and you really don't know who's talking. It got better the second day. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's something I kind of don't like. Yeah, well, we'll have to see how, how they advance <laughs> within the week. Oh, yeah. And they could make adjustments. They already did. So uh, I like that. I like that. It'll be interesting. But, all right. So let's go into offensive players and defensive players of the week. Who do you got? Okay. Um, so I have my offensive player is P.J. Walker. Yep. Quarterback for the Houston Roughnecks. Um, I just think that he looked, I would say, the most NFL ready at his position. Um, and he is the reason that that Houston team won the way they did and why their offense looked as dominant as they did. Um, yeah. He was moving around really well outside the pocket. Throwing great passes, hitting people with with uh with balls that he threw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with good throws, hitting him with yeah. good throws. Yeah, so I think that's good. He also showed that the potential. Of, like, he only didn't run a lot. He ran for twenty yards, twenty eight yards, something like that. Uh -huh. He definitely showed that he can run. But yeah, I think his four touchdowns with his almost three hundred yards, I think earned him the. Offensive player of the week for, for my player of the week. I think yeah. I will just give you two honorable mentions then. Go for it. Um, I think Cardell Jones also gets an honorable mention. Yes. Yeah. And so does Jordan Town. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'd have to agree. P.J. Walker got it for me. Um, you know, stats don't lie. There you go. And, you know, just watching his highlights and some of the film, you looked really good out there. Mm -hmm. Like, there were some impressive – like, they weren't, you know – I guess, completely wide open throws. But there are some very impressive throws that he made on the run. And, you know, when the pocket was collapsing and just having the composure to dump it off as well. So, yeah, he takes it for me, too. Um, here, I could start for Defensive Player of the Week. Okay. So Defensive Player of the Week for me had to go to Elijah Campbell. You mentioned him earlier. He's the cornerback for uh, the D.C. Defenders. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like his story, too, from Northern Iowa. Didn't get a lot of exposure and whatnot. But he looked really good. Like, his technique looked very smooth. He kept pace with pretty much all the receivers and, you know, no real bad pass interference or holdings, you know. Like, it was very clean technique. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, he had that kick or that punt block, right? Probably should have had an interception as well. Yeah, he had a pick six that he pretty much dropped. He was looking ahead, which is fair. They're, they're already in front of the game. But, yeah, he dropped that one. And, yeah, so he definitely would have, you know, sealed it if... He caught it, but yeah, I thought he played very well. And, you know, he looked like a shutdown corner in the XFL. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's mine, though. Okay. Didn't, didn't we have two guys we want an honorable mention as well? One guy from Dallas, safety. The safety? Yeah. Or do you mean linebacker? He was. Linebacker. His maybe. Name, yeah, so he was number 48, 46 T Gray Scales. Yeah. I want to say, yeah, he made a. Made a couple clutch uh, tackles and sacks. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we still lost, but uh, I don't think it was. There was also fault. one other corner, I think, for the Guardians that you said. Oh, Jamar Summers. Yep. Yeah, Jamar Summers. He didn't he drop a pick? No, he didn't drop a pick, but he did score a touchdown. He did take that fumble recovery. For That's right. He had that fumble recovery, and it was a nice fumble recovery too. He had to jump over mm -hmm. a guy for it. Yeah. So, so those, would be, those would be our two honorable mentions. Yeah. All right, and then my defensive player of the week. Go for it. Goes to Dietrich Nichols. 
um, cornerback for the uh, also for the Houston Roughnecks. So both of mine come from Houston. Okay. Um, he went to South Florida. Interesting. Yeah, he went to South Florida. Um, let me grab his stats real fast. Go for it. But yeah, so he. I know he had one interception. He also had a sack. Ooh. Um. So. For a cornerback, like getting a sack and an interception, like that's. I mean, that's pretty good. The only one I can think of that did that in the NFL was Bradley Roby mm-hmm. when he got a sack and a pick the day after his grandfather or something like that. Someone in his family died. But um, that's only like, that's big time. He, so yeah, so he had uh, he had five total tackles. So even that's good nice. for a, a corner. He had one sack and one interception. Okay. And then he deflected two passes. So. Right, yeah. So he played well. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to give mine to. Nice. Keep it up. Nice. All right. Yeah. So we're going to do more of this, more XFL coverage. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to finish with just a preview of next week? Like, Yeah, let's do that preview. real quick. Yeah. We could pick some. I, I'm, I'm okay with picking teams now, now that I've now seen, that seen all of them. them play. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, so there's going to be, again, just like this week, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, the first game of the weekend is going to be the New York Guardians at the DC Defenders. That's so, a good one. Yep, so right away, like we said, Matt McGlone will get tested a lot more now. Going against Cardell Jones and this DC Defenders defense that looked pretty good. Yep. Um, I, so yeah, that's that's really the overview we got for him. Is okay. Matt McGlone will be tested, and I think it's just, again, this league is Cardell Jones to, to take over. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm picking the Defenders because so of Cardell Jones. Yeah. I'm going to pick DC as well. Oh, yeah. Their defense looks really good, too. So that's uh, that's that's something to you know keep in mind watching this game, mm-hmm. right? They 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 played very well against a solid Seattle team. Yeah. So I'm looking at DC to keep it rolling Me after too. this one. All right, and the second game on Saturday is here we go. We got Tampa Bay Vipers at the Seattle Dragons. So I think okay. both of these teams can regroup and Win. get get the yeah get the show on the road. Get it get a chance. Like both these teams lost. One maybe a little bit worse than the other. Like Seattle looked a little bit more put together than Tampa Bay. Yeah. But I think this would be a game where both of them, well, both of them need to get going. Right. And figure it out. Yeah. So that one. Uh, I'm probably. It's tough. I yeah, feel. I think it's tough because I'm gonna take Seattle if Aaron Murray is starting. Yeah. But if Quinn Flowers starts, I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Tampa. Yeah. No, I I absolutely agree because I like I said I felt like Quinton Flowers looked pretty good. If it comes down to it, I feel like Quinton Flowers is a little bit better than Brandon Silvers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I am going to pick Seattle uh, for right now. I don't think it's going to be – I don't know. I don't expect it to be like a big old shootout or anything like that. Yeah. So, we'll see. But, yeah, I'll, I'll pick I'll pick Seattle right now as of today on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, okay. All right. And then for the Sunday games, the, first, the early game on Sunday is going to be the Dallas Renegades at the LA Wildcats. Ooh, okay. So that'll be a good game. That one's going to be interesting because if yeah. if Josh Johnson plays and Landry Jones plays, that means both of the starting quarterbacks will be with their offenses because both yes. of these teams had their backup quarterbacks play because due to injury. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a really good game with both the starting quarterbacks in. I do too. So this one's a little bit harder mm-hmm. for me to pick. I mean, I think I might... <sighs> I'm I'm gonna stick with the Renegades for now. I'm gonna go with my bias, you know, just because uh, 
You know, I, I want to see what Landry Jones could do. I've heard a lot of good things mm-hmm. coming out of training camp and whatnot so far. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with the right. Renegades. I think I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Okay. Just because I think, because of injury-wise, like, I think Josh Johnson's injury isn't as worse or isn't as bad as Landry Jones was. So no. I think he's gotten some more reps with his team. Yeah. And so I think he will be more... Set in zone. But again, it's going to be a very interesting game, and I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think this one could be a shootout. It possibly could be. Mm-hmm. This one could go either way, to yeah. be honest. Like, I, I am really close to picking the Wildcats, but it should be a close game. It should be a good one. Yeah, I think this will be one of the better games this week, or oh, this yeah. this second week, because, again, especially if both starting quarterbacks come back. Oh, yeah. Then you'll have your full offenses ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what that what that looks like with these teams both mm-hmm. have full power. All right, and then uh, I think this is the game of the week, so that's good that it's in prime time. They actually did change it from um, it was going to be a normal 3 o'clock start like it is in Colorado time, but they actually oh. changed it to now um, 4 o'clock so that it will be in prime time. Okay. Um, and it is going to be the Seattle Battlehawks. Sorry, I, well, I don't know this, why. I you say it. Seattle Louis. a lot. Yeah. Sorry, St. Louis, Louis Battlehawks. At the Houston Roughnecks. So oh. I think this is going to be the game of the week for sure. That could be a good one because yeah. I feel like Jordan Tiamu, like he's going to feel a lot more comfortable now. Mm-hmm. So he'll like go a little bit and he might have a really good game. PJ Walker too. Yeah. You know, so. I think, I think this one could be a shootout as well. I think. Yeah. I could see this one being a little bit more of a shootout than yeah. the last one. But. I do think yeah. I will give the edge. I'm going to pick Houston though. I will give the edge to PJ Walker. Okay. And the Roughnecks just because I think their off it looks, offense looks more fluid than St. Louis's. Yeah, I'm picking. Uh, I'm picking. Shoot, what is it? <laughs> Houston Roughnecks as well. Uh, I think. I mean, I know both teams won, but I think the Roughnecks have a little bit more momentum mm-hmm. going to this next game, and yeah, I'll, I'll count on that so far. Jordan Tiamu still has a little bit more to prove. Yeah. Like he looked, you know, he looked good, but I feel like PJ Walker looked way more solid. Yeah, way so, more ready to go. Yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, I'm gonna give it to Houston as well. So that'll be that'll definitely be the game of the week. Oh yeah. All right, so is that it? That is it for week week two. Yeah. All right, so we'll look forward to it. We'll bring you more content. So my name is Simon Voyanos. I'm Jesse Booten. And, and this is the Cycle 365. Yeah, Cody, I have one more, not Cody. I have one more <laughs> thing to say to you, just to update, okay. quick update to um, other sports and stuff. Go for it. There was a big, big time trade if you're a baseball fan. Um, I just wanted to mention, we're not going to talk a lot about it. I just want to mention it real fast. Go for it. Mookie Betts. Got traded from the Boston Red Sox oh, to the Los Angeles that. Dodgers. Yes. Moving Jock Peterson from the Dodgers to Mookie Betts to the Boston Red Sox, or from the Boston Red Sox to the LA um, Dodgers. Moving Jock Peterson, who was the outfielder for the Dodgers, to actually the across town rival Los Angeles Angels. Ooh, um, so that's a big one. They also had um, David Price was in, in that as well. So David Price was also traded from the Boston Red Sox as well to the um, Dodgers. And there was also one other team involved, but I don't remember what it was. But anyways, the big news is Mookie Betts now plays for LA and Jock Peterson now plays for the Angels of LA. So that's that's the big news coming out of baseball. There you go. There's some breaking news for you. Yeah. All right. So that will wrap up the Cycle 365. This was episode 20. Follow us on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, yeah, we'll catch y'all next week with more XFL news, more NFL years in review. And if there is more NBA talk or any other sports talk, we'll cover that too. All right.